What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Not Another Isekai. I'm Tyler, and this is, of course, another episode where I get to talk about all the seasonal anime that are airing right now, um, all the ones that we're watching, which is a lot this season, uh, kind of a banger season, and uh, which which ones are Isekai, you know? Because there's always, there's always a bunch, and uh, actually more Isekai that I'm covering this season, um... You know, I guess that just goes to show the quality of Isekai here. Um, which which ones this season count as Isekai? Um, we have the Magical Revolution of the Reincarnated Princess and the Genius Young, young Lady, which is a very sneaky Isekai, but still, you know, still still counts. <laughs> still counts. Um, Misfit of Demon King Academy, so that's two. And... Uh, that's it. Does Tokyo Revengers count as an isekai? I feel like in spirit, <laughs> Tokyo Revengers is an isekai. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna say we're covering two and a half. Where I feel like last season, one, I think we had one isekai. I don't even remember what it was. Honestly, last season flushed it from my memory. I don't even, <laughs> I don't even remember last season. Oh no, we have Eminence and Shadow, which is carrying over. So I'd, I'd say we got three and a half. Whereas last season we got one. We got one good one, Eminence and Shadow. So three and a half, you know, we're, you know, we're, you know, we're doing a much, much better job of living up to the name of the podcast <laughs> with, with this season. Um, but I guess even like if we don't cover any isekai, I guess that also goes with the name of the podcast because it's like, man, another one, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, we're talking about a bunch of anime. Um, I feel like it's going to be a good episode. I feel like we got a lot of really good stuff this week because we're, we're nearing the end-ish of our few um our like rollover shows that are two cores and then also the everything else we're we're getting to the meat of it right we're getting like episode three episode four of all the new shows this season and so you know you know that's basically where it goes okay we're, we're done with the introduction you know all the characters you kind of know the world now you know if you're still along for the ride with this show or that show now we're getting into it um so yeah i also dropped a bunch of shows so be so you know be, be be ready for me to say show dropped. Uh, but one that's because I can't be covering twenty five shows. <laughs> twenty five it's just too many. Not not you're not um bleh. Not only to watch throughout the week, you know, but also to talk about. Uh, you know, we can't have three hour episodes every week because that uh, that that destroys me. So, uh, but also you know I didn't drop shows just for the sake of dropping them. Um, you know, once we get to it, I'll explain why I dropped each show. So, uh, but yeah, still, still a very healthy amount, a very healthy amount, you know, more than last season, I would say. So, uh, let's, uh, I've been talking for too long and not about anime. So let's start. Uh, first, as always, we got My Hero Academia season six, episode 17. One thing to note here, I think I mentioned this before, but very annoying <laughs> on Crunchyroll where they're like, Hey, this is episode 145, and I'm like, okay, I don't, I just need to know if this is episode 16 or episode 17. <laughs> is this the new episode that's out, or isn't it? Um, I can't, I can't do the math and be like, okay, well, so 17 should be 144, so 16 is what I can't be doing that. Um, so this one, kind of, sorta, what we're, you know, what we expected. Um, you know, we're learning more about the Todoroki family, which is nice. You know, I mean, we already. Pretty much everything they talked about we already kind of knew or at least inferred um you know but it was nice to really see it 
um, you know, especially with the with more the aspect of of, uh, of Toya, right? Um, so yeah. Next episode, though, you know, <laughs> next episode I think is gonna be about Midoriya, but we'll talk about that. Um, so, like I said, mainly just backstory, not too much to talk about, but I am gonna go through. Uh, I'm gonna go through it. So, uh, for the most part, Endeavor and Ray, that was kind of like an arranged marriage, uh, which we already probably kind of knew. Um, you know, Ray doesn't seem super into it, but we knew that Endeavor's plan was to get these these babies off, right, and try to get a cork crazy child to pass all might i still don't quite understand why he wanted to pass all might so bad you know like i don't know if it's just like his innate uh like personality to like want to be number one and everything like he's just super competitive to its core to a point of obsession where he would do something like oh i don't know finding the perfect quirk <laughs> and then making as many babies as possible like that's it's a little weird um it's like <laughs> never mind <laughs> never mind um but uh yeah so we, we already kind of knew that again i don't really know what the, what the cause of it is have they talked about that already it's like you know why he's like that or you know it is there a reason or is it just oh he's he's competitive you know like similar to bakugo where it's just like that's just kind of how bakugo is like he just wants to be number one not really to be number one but because deep down, I mean, Bakugo's a little different, I think, because he's, like, he's, like, obsessive because he just really wants to help people. He, like, he looks up to All Might as much as Midoriya does. It's just a different way. Um, but anyway, so, yeah, then we have, uh, like I said, you know, basically Endeavor stuff wanted to pass All Might. Um, Endeavor, we find out, is the reason why Toya is the way he is because, again, his whole obsession him putting it in every kid's mind like hey you're gonna be great and you're gonna pass all my and then he gets to the point where he's able to kind of see the quirk potential in each child and then that that basically destroys each child right it destroys Toya the most because he's you know most likely because he is the first child he's the firstborn and so him putting that in his head for you know since he was born and then all of a sudden being like, oh, you're not, you know, you're not doing quirk training anymore, you know. I mean, from a father perspective, I think he made the right choice because it's like, dude, you are, like, your fire is really powerful, but your body is more accustomed to the ice quirk, which means that your body can't really handle the output of your fire quirk, you know, it's kind of like, I don't know, it's just like, your body is at odds, you know, you, you know, you're basically destroying your body because of how, you know, you know, just like the whole, you know, the way those two things link, they don't really mesh well. Um, so from a father perspective, I think it makes perfect sense to be like, hey, stop using your quirk like this, <laughs> you know, um, but from a, you know, from the kid's perspective, it's like, he doesn't really understand that. And I don't really think it's his fault, because like I said, endeavor from from birth was like you're gonna be great you're gonna be the best hero ever you know you're gonna do this we're gonna train we're gonna do that and you know you're gonna make me proud which is the whole which is the whole like backstory of toya is that he just always wanted to make his father proud he wanted his father to notice him um and more importantly he wanted his father to um what's the word i'm looking for 
to just be to just feel like Toya is he was worth being born basically you know like he wasn't a waste of a child and it's it's really messed up but that is what Endeavor kind of put on everyone you know it wasn't until Shodo came along that was perfect right had super high potential for both sides of the quirk where no one else did and so you know Toya is just this firstborn like I mean not, not only because he's firstborn but you know he's just his child like I mean I'm I'm here like I'd like I can be good, you know, please, please notice me, please, you know what I mean, which is funny, because, because normally, like, the firstborn doesn't really have to worry about the parents, like, uh, like, noticing him, and, like, you know, doing stuff, because, you know, that's, like, that's, like, the whole cliche, right, is that, like, firstborn, and then the baby get the most attention, and then all the, all, all, all the middle kids just kind of get, uh, forgotten about, right, it's the, it's, like, the trope in any storytelling, right, um, so yeah, very, very messed up, um, you know, to the point where Toya attacked Shoto as a baby, you know, like he just, he just went all out and he attacked Shoto, um, you know, again, it's just his own kid brain, but again, not fully on him, you know, with, with, with Endeavor being like, oh, this, I finally had the perfect child and his other children are like, um, dude, I not, do I not exist? Like I'm, I'm, I'm still a kid, you know, um, Toya really got cracked in the head. You know, he's, you know, he's even out here blaming his mom, saying the mom is complicit too, which is true to an extent. Um, I mean, Endeavor is definitely, <laughs> definitely the one to blame, but, you know, the mom, yeah, you know, I, I can see again, even more so from if I'm trying to put myself in Toya's shoes, it's like, yeah, I can see why he would, he would blame the mom as well. Um, and then let's see, uh, Endeavor blamed Ray for not stopping Toya. That was a moment. I mean, you know, it's definitely one of those things where it's like, can we ever really redeem Endeavor, you know, because like even like hitting, uh, you know, hitting Ray is like, oof, that's not, that's not okay, like ever, <laughs> you know, domestic violence of any kind, not okay, you know, it doesn't matter who, it, it, even if it was flipped, it's like, well, that's not okay, you know, um, and then, uh, what else do we have, uh, in, in the present time, though, which I really like how this went, you know, with the whole, I was just mentioning, you know, redeeming Endeavor, all of them still blame Endeavor. Like, everyone there is like, this is your fault, <laughs> you know, this is your fault, this will always be your fault. We are, you know, we're not, we're basically never going to forgive you for this, but we are a family and we are in this together, you know, which I think is the best way that they could have written this. Because I think if they were like, this is your fault, deal with it, we're, you know, we're going to go somewhere else. It's like, oh, that's, that's kind of weird, you know, and then on the opposite side of the coin, if they were like, no, nah, Endeavor, like, yeah, you did this, but we're all to blame as well. And, you know, we're all equal, you know, that would also feel like a cop out. So for them being like, no, we all blame you. And this is definitely your fault. Like, like anyone who looks at this story <laughs> will agree with us. This is completely your fault, but we're a family. And so, you know, you know, Toya is our sibling slash son. We're not going to just sit here and be like, okay, Endeavor, you deal with it. Because, you know, we, we are family, you know? So, you know, I think that was, that was definitely the best way to handle the situation. Um, and then another thing I love, uh, Hawks. I love Hawks' character. 
you know, kind of story that he's gone through, especially what was it last episode where we learned more about him as a kid and then him kind of hearing everything. We got a slight flashes of a backstory with him. Um, and then we really see that Shoto and Hawks are like two sides of the same coin. You know, they both had their family issues. They both had this path. And, you know, I think Hawks took one way and Shoto took the other, where Hawks, when making a decision, he decided to cut off his family and be like, especially the dad, right? The dad's gone. The mom kind of cut her off emotionally as well. And, they, and he deals with it from here on out. Shoto decided to accept, to, to, to re-accept the mom and the dad into his life. Um, you know, even though, you know, cause you know, cause even like Ray was like, he had every right to hate me. Right. When, you know, cause the whole burn mark is her fault, all that stuff, you know, and then even Ray in general kind of, um, having disdain for the kids because she, you know, she even said she started to see endeavor in each of the children, you know, like Shoto could have easily been like, I don't want to talk to my mom anymore. Like I'm done. And then even endeavor, like for all the reasons stated so far, you know, he could have very easily, I mean, he already kind of was like that, right? Like at one point he was like, I'm going to be the best hero ever without using my dad's quirk, you know? So, um, so again, two sides of the same coin where they kind of made opposite decisions. And I think Hawks more than Shoto realizes that. Um, and then the, we have got the very end, very exciting. I think my hero does a good job of, um, of having these cliffhangers and so we have one for all might finally be exposed you know i think i think we are getting close to that point where maybe not everyone is going to learn about it but i think more people especially more heroes are going to have to learn about this because i think that the whole one for all all for one thing is becoming more and more necessary uh you know like just, you know just the information on it to win this war that is that is already you know we're already in the middle of you know um you know i think definitely hawks is kind of piecing stuff together um you know and then we have the very end all might thinks midoriya is talking to the previous wielder so we think that's kind of what he's doing in his weird coma state so yeah all all signs are pointing to next episode being a very midoriya heavy episode um and i love it you know i would love for that to happen all might be there Hawk's best genus kind of walk up and be like, yo, All Might, what's going on, man? And All Might has a decision to make. And he's like, all right, listen, <laughs> you know, because right now, nobody like for the most part, nobody really knows, you know, a handful of people do like Endeavor does. Uh, I think the the principal of UA knows, right? Doesn't he know? Um, obviously, like uh, the like. The old man, I forget what his name is. He has like the jet boots thing, you know. He's the one who helped train Midoriya. Um, and All Might. He trained All Might too. Um, he knows. Bakugo knows. Uh, who else? I mean, I mean, All for One obviously knows. Um, Shigaraki. I mean, I think probably most of the league maybe knows. But like in terms of heroes, I don't really think too many people know about this. So, um, you know, you know, that could be a huge episode. I mean, I feel like this season in general is really big. Like I feel like a lot of stuff, like even the first half with the whole hospital and then all for one and Shigaraki, like that was a lot of stuff that happened. And I think we have this whole second half where a lot of truths are being exposed in the second half. So it's a great season. <laughs> it's a great season of My Hero. Uh, next, 
we have Blue Lock. Blue Lock episode 16. Blue Lock just continues to be an incredible sports anime. Um, so this one, not too much actually happened, but I feel like a whole lot of setup. And ne next episode is going to be crazy. Um, so we learn more, a little bit more about Baru. We got Baru who's kind of meticulous about everything, which makes sense with his whole king persona and how he is on the field where he's just like, everything has to go my way, you know? Uh, we have Reo, Chiguri, and Kunigami. They really want to be Isagi and Nagi and Baru, but Baru is just kind of just there, um, obviously. Uh, Reo really wants to beat Nagi to prove that Nagi should have picked him. And then Reo, Chiguri, and Kunigami really want to be Isagi, just in general. Um, Isagi wants to create a chemical reaction with Baru, um, you know, which is a really tough thing because Baru is just kind of like, I am... I am the team, <laughs> you know, like just pass it to me, I'll score. It's it's tough though because Baru's a very frustrating character to watch because he lost. You know what I mean? Like he like he lost, <laughs> and then you know he can blame. Oh, it was it was his fault that we lost, but it's like you lost twice. You know what I mean? Like you lost the three, you lost the two, like. And if you to be like, oh, it's their fault, it's their fault, it's their fault. It's like, yeah, but n not even for like a second do you think if you keep losing, you keep blaming everyone else, you're going to be knocked out. Like, you understand that, right? Like, you are going to lose and you're out of blue lock, you know, like for just, just for a hot second, you don't think, hey, maybe if I, you know, again, not not blame myself, but maybe just, you know develop some new stuff, work with people, you know, you know, you know, even if you want to put in the perspective of, hey, these, these weaklings, you know, they don't understand how to help me. So, you know, I'm going to try to help them and kind of work with them because clearly I keep losing, <laughs> you know? And so, you know, if you keep blaming other people, it's like, okay, so then, so then make us better, you know, help us help you basically. Um, and we'll talk even more about that in a second because we do start the next match at the end of this episode. Um, in the bath, they agree to a match, which is great. Again, that's, that, that's very clearly set up. That's what I said last episode where I was like, next episode is going to be them facing each other. You know, they're, this, they're clearly building this three on three, which is going to be great. Um, Isagi's team, they, they all want different people if they win. And really there's no bad answer. I don't think because like, you know, Isagi won a Chiguri. It's like, yeah, his speed is crazy. Like us having that speed because none of us really have that. Like, Baru is fast, but again, he's more of like a, a bulldozer, where he just bulldozes through people, whereas Chiguri can get past people, he can be very sneaky, um, because he's like, he's like sneaky fast, where Baru is just like, get out of my way, <laughs> um, you know, but then we have Kunigami, who is, um, you know, very good at pushing the line, and he has a very good shot, a mid-range shot, so, you know, you know, not, you know, uh, you know, Baru's like, you know, that will play off my style. And then Nagi's like, well, I want Rayo. And I don't think that's a weak reason because one, they know each other very well, you know, so that, you know, that, that chemistry helps. It's, it's very similar to Isagi and Bakura where it's like, yeah, Bakura's dribbling is crazy, but also just the chemistry that we have is also just a plus, right? Because, um, you know, again, good pieces being together are good, but if there's no chemistry there, 
it doesn't really work out, which again, we'll talk about at the end of the episode. Um, and then also on top of Rails, like Rails also really good, like he's really good at seeing the field and he's a really good passer, you know, which I think they also really need because none of them in particular are good passers. Um, so it's, it's funny that they're all like, I want him, I want him, I want him. And it's like, well, who do we take, <laughs> you know? Um, and then what else do we have? Um, we have a quick flash. Nobody wants to face Rin's team, which is a big problem because if nobody faces them, then they lose, you know, because they're also on a timer, right? Like there's however many days, I think it's like a week or two weeks or something. Um, and you have to get there. You, you, you have to win the five on five within two weeks or something, right? So if no one, they, that's also a problem. Again, that's where like the meta comes into play we've already seen it a bunch but it's like you know even when you're facing other teams it's like okay well i don't you know we don't want to face a team that's way better than us um you know because if we you know because there's a better chance we'll lose and then we'll lose we'll get bumped down you know if they don't pick us um but then we don't want to face a team that's way weaker than us because okay it might be an easier win but then now we have to now we have to pick someone that's crap it's like okay and then when we move on now we have to move on with a weaker team so you kind of have to face someone that's like somewhat on your level because then it'll be a better chance that they'll agree to the match. You know what I mean? It'll be a better chance that they'll get someone that's good, you know? Um, it's it's interesting, you know? It's it's interesting, like, Rin's team kind of, like, front-loaded their team and now they're at the back half, you know, trying to do a 4-on-4 four and, four and no one wants to face them because it's like, why would we do that, you know? Kind of a, you know, a weird corner that they painted themselves in um let's see let's see let's see uh also bakura is convinced that isagi's team will reach them that's that's some great confidence man i love like isagi and bakura's dynamic their friendship is one of my favorite parts of the show because it's just like they they just linked with each other so early like in the first stage you know we're like we're like you know at the beginning you know we thought bakura was crazy and he's he is kind of crazy but like you know for him just like sleeping and then for him to just wake up and just start dribbling, dribbling, and then for him to pass the ball and hit the person. And then, you know, that was like the first thing we saw in Blue Lock was, you know, the one dude who seemed kind of cool got knocked out. And, you know, that was the first time that like Isagi was like, oh no, like I did something bad. Like I, you know, you know that was like the first instance of uh, like ego, right? Um, and like people working together was weird. So, um yeah, and then we and we jump to the match. Like I said, at the very end, we do start this match with Isagi, Baru, and Nagi facing uh, Chigiri, Kunigami, and Rayo. And uh, it's 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 not looking good for Isagi's team <laughs> because Baru's on the team, and like that was the whole thing. Where it's like Baru's really good, but he's not a team player. You know, like Nagi. Nagi's a genius, but he, you know, he's a team player. Isuki's a team player. You know, we even have mostly everyone. You know, I would say, like, really the only one that isn't is Rin from, from what we've seen. He's not really a team player. He's like, just give me the ball, do it all myself. But he'll pass it if he needs to. You know what I mean? Like, he'll do that. Bar was really, I'm trying to think to, like, every main-ish character we've seen so far. It's really only Baru that's just like, I don't pass the ball. Why would I do that? You know, and so... They uh, they predicted that, and they were just like, okay, we're just going to double-team you. 
because you're not going to pass it to Isiki, you're not going to pass it to Nagi, you're going to be bullheaded, and you're going to try to do everything yourself. So, so, so I mean, honestly, they're probably just going to keep double teaming this man until he breaks, <laughs> you know? Um, very easy decision to do that. Um, and then we have Nagi calling Chiguri a red panther, which I just think is a really cool name. Um, but yeah, he's like super quick, and it's like, oh man, you forgot how quick he was. And then they, they just kind of hit this realization that they are the better team. Like in terms of teamwork, cohesion, chemistry, all that stuff, they're much better. Because kind of like I was saying earlier, having pieces, really good pieces individually together is great. You know what I mean? But if they can't work together, then it's, it's wasted potential. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, you can have a team that individually maybe are just kind of average or above average. But if their chemistry is there, they'll be a team that has a few geniuses on it, but they can't work together. You know, um, you know, we've seen that in uh, Haikyuu, another sports anime, which I bring up a bunch because I just it's one of my favorite anime ever. Um, it's a volleyball anime. And we, we kind of see that, too, where there are some teams that have superstars on it. But then there's but then they face a team that's just way better at working together and they really know each, each other's like strengths and weaknesses and. Um, you know, different plays to set up for each other, how to cover each other's backs, all that stuff. And it's just like their teamwork, you know, you know, they're, they're like a chain link fence and it's all solid, you know? Um, so yeah, this is, this is tough, but they're, but they're getting pumped. You know, I, I can't wait to see next episode. Next episode will probably be the entire match. Um, I can't imagine it won't be. And I'm really just to see how, you know, how they win. Cause in my mind, Isigi, uh, Okay, so now we get to predictions, right? Um, let's just see what what you know what you guys think, because in my mind, there's obviously only two scenarios, right? Isagi wins or Isagi loses. Isagi winning, I think, would make sense because I feel like we are deep enough into the show where it's like I don't think Isagi can lose. So if, if we're going with the Isagi wins route, I don't know how they're gonna do it. I mean, I feel like Bar, I, you know, I feel like they have to break Baru down. And just, you know, Baro has to get frustrated enough and keep, you know, I think them double, you know, them double teaming Baru, I think is what's going to do it. I think there's a very good chance that him just keep getting double teamed, you know, because because at that point he can't blame. I mean, he could, but he can't blame Isagi and Nagi because it's like, what are we supposed to do? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we can't stop them from leaving, like, like we're on offense, you know? People on the offensive don't chase the people on defense. It's like if the, if the defensive player leaves me, I'm wide open. Pass it to me. This is perfect. This isn't this is any sport. Any sport. You play basketball, football. I mean, I guess baseball is not doesn't really work that way. But you know, you know, if you play, if you know, if you're if you're playing basketball and your defender just leaves you, it's like, dude, pass it to me. I'm wide open. I can do anything right now. You know, even if I'm not good at shooting where I'm at, if I have the ball. I have no one defending me. I have, a, I have a clear field of vision to anyone else who I can pass it to. Like, that's a perfect scenario. If a defensive player leaves me, I'm not going to follow him. You know what I mean? That doesn't make any sense. So it's, it's the same thing here where it's like, if Ray was supposed to be marking me, but Ray leaves me to go to you, pass to me. I am literally wide open. You know, I, you know, I may not be in the position to shoot, but at least I can run up the field. We can make some progress downfield. You know, me and... Uh, me and Nagi at that point can kind of play the double team against, uh, who's marking Nagi? Chiguri's marking Nagi. So it's just like, 
you know, he's fast, but he's not, he's, he's not like that great, you know? So it's like, that's the perfect scenario. So I, so I think if they win or, you know, if they start getting, uh, you know, they start coming back, you know, I think it's going to be because they, they you know, Baru is going to insist on having the ball and he's going to keep getting double teamed. I mean, you know, if we go down that path at some point, they'll be like, okay, Baru has finally got through a stick skull. We're not going to double team anymore. You know, is it, you know, that's not, you know, what's going to win them the game. I mean, or Isagi and Nagi just aren't going to give Baru the ball, you know, that'll be interesting. You know, you know, I think that would be, uh, that'd be very interesting, you know, um, the, the, I mean, the other option is that Isagi loses, but if Isagi loses, Isagi has to be the one to be picked because again, you know, I'm just kind of playing the meta here. I don't think it makes sense for Isagi to lose and them not pick Isagi because then we're most likely going to pick Nagi and they're telling me they were on episode 17 at that point going into episode 18 there's only six episodes left in the show and in, in the season and Isagi has to again crawl back from a from a 2v2 scenario to a 3v3 to a 4v4 to a 5v5 all in six episodes with Baru that's that's not going to work you know, so in my mind, it's most likely Isagi's team wins this, or they lose and they pick Isagi, and, and that's kind of the way that Isagi moves on to the four-on-four. I, I don't really see that happening though, so we'll see. I'm, I'm, it's a great show, fun show. Next, we have Eminence in Shadow, episode seventeen. Um, yeah, yeah, we got you know we got some good stuff happening here. Um, let's see. Only a few episodes left, too, because there's only 20 episodes. So we're, we're right on the cusp of, of finishing this season out. Um, so what do we got? We got Alexia dragging Beta into the labyrinth. That was, you know, it's kind of a funny moment, I guess, right? Because Beta's just like, this is a terrible idea. <laughs> like, how, how are we going to get the way? How are we going to get out? Um, we have Rose attacking Perv because of what happened to her father, father the king. Um, again, you know, Perv kind of... Uh, he did, did something to the kid and kind of like drugged him or something, mind controlled him. Um, and, and, you know, so that's why we learned why Rose did what she did. Um, you know, why she attacked. Um, so again, it, it all makes sense. You know, you know, she was trying to, you know, she even said like, you know, she was trying to protect her only father, her only country or, or kingdom or something. Right. Um, but it sucks, you know, cause she, she, you know, she acted emotionally. So now that's, you know, that's why she is in the position she's in. Um, then we have a moment where it's like Rose is possessed or something. Like she's, you see like her heart or something. She has like a curse, something like that. I don't have much time left. I'm just like, what is happening? <laughs> you know, I feel like this show kind of rides that line in a way that I don't like. I'm just like, there's so many moments of this show that I think are really good and really fun. And there's also other points in the show where I'm just like, is this something we're just introducing? <laughs> like we're 17 episodes in and we're introducing this weird like curse mark to this character. And then... I guess we find out that Sid, like, so Sid or Lord Shadow, Lord Rose with the Moonlight Sonata, again, a song that just gets introduced this episode, and we're like, oh, oh this is thematic, just, okay, and then he, like, like, at first I thought he was learning her to, like, to, to capture her, but then it turns out that, oh, I think he, like, gave her some of his power to, like, maybe get the curse off or something, you know, and then Alexia and Beta find Rose, they, you know, Alexia sort of goes after her, it's not enough you know rose is superior beta just kind of lets her go 
you know, says some remarks of just like, oh, blah, 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 I'm just going to let you do it. She's like, okay, very weird. Um, and the episode ends with Sid's sister being here, you know. Remember that Sid had a sister? <laughs> very concerned for her brother. Um, and that's the episode. <laughs> Again, man, you know, this episode, I mean, at this point, we're too far in. Um, this was, was a big roller coaster for me. I feel like this show started off really strong the first half. Kind of gone a little downhill. Started to recover a little bit, but at this point, like, like I said, I feel like they're just introducing a lot of stuff, like episode to episode. And it's like, man, there's three episodes left. Where does where does the show end? You know, because we're still kind of on the whole like Sid becoming Eminence and Shadow, which I think will probably happen. Like, we're probably gonna get um, like the end of the tournament maybe next episode. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I just feel like there's like a lot of story beats that are kind of going on at once. It's really hard to juggle them. Um, but you know, that's, that's pretty much it. <laughs> um, next we got the angel next door spoils me rotten episode four. Uh, I love this show. This is like one of my favorite shows this season. This is, it's, it's just good, wholesome romance slice of life type stuff. Um, so we got Amine and Mahiru explain the situation to Chitose and Itsuki. Um, yeah, yes, yeah. because so of course it started off with them being like, ooh, what's going on here? But then it's like, no, it's not what's happening, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, but, it, you know, it's nice. Again, you know, Amine doesn't really have to tiptoe around his two best friends anymore with the whole, you know, angel situation. Um, and then also, you know, we see a little moment here where Amine seems happy for Mahiru because again you know Mahiru doesn't really have friends I would say you know from, you know, from what I can tell she kind of just chills by herself I mean you know I think she maybe talks to some people at school but for the most part people do you know you know she is kind of you know she's kind of put in this box of the angel so I think people are just like oh she's perfect you know she doesn't want to talk to me you know it's it's, it's it sucks you know that her kind of reputation almost ruins her her like social potential um and then uh you know so, you know so for her for like chitose being you know the kind of girl she is she immediately latches on and she like wants to be friends and talking and and you know you, you can see amine's face she's like yeah yeah okay yeah you know we got more people talking to her you know um it's great um we have a scene where Mahiru severely underestimates her cooking ability. You know, not that she doesn't think she can cook, but, you know, I feel like less so underestimating her ability and more so just underestimating the effect that her cooking has, where it's like, nah, like, your cooking is great. Like, you know, it, it, it does bring joy. You know, it does make me happy. You know, she's like, ah, it's, you know, cheap, cheap happiness. You know, happiness comes cheaper or whatever, but it's like, no, like, you don't understand. Like, like, this is something, you know, like, don't. Don't don't cut yourself short, you know, and that's it's a, it's a pretty potent scene for her, right? Um, and then we have them playing video games, and Amine, <laughs> Amine did the the like golf club thing, you know, and like again, some like trope for like romance type stories where they they go out and they play like mini golf or something, and you know the the like the female needs help, she's not good, she wants help, so then the male comes along and kind of like wraps the arms around her you know, puts, puts his hands on her hands and kind of swings with her, you know, swings the club with her or whatever. It's basically the same thing, but it's now in a video game where he kind of puts his hands on her hands on the controller, helps her out. They get embarrassed, but it's just like, ah, oh, it's, it's a sweet little moment there. Um, 
we have them exchanging gifts. He got her a little pocketbook thing. She got him a scarf. It's a nice thing there. Um, and then later on, my hero tried to lie about the fever, which I thought was really funny. Um, you know, because she's just like, ah, it's a little fever. And then he takes the thermometer and she's he's like, no, this is, this, is, this is like a real legit full on fever. You're not going to do this. And it's funny because this is sort of how the relationship formed with Amine getting a fever and Mahir taking care of him. So now the roles are reversed. So that's nice. Um, you know, they also have a moment there where, you know, he like forces her to like be chill and be like, hey, you're not overdoing it. You know, like I'm, I'm going to help you. And so he like picks her up very suddenly and he's like, I'm bringing you to your room. And she's like, but you can't, you can't enter a girl's room. You can't do that. And he's like, all right, then we're going to go in my room. And they have this whole argument where she's like, um, uh, is there a third option? And he's like, I force myself into your room and I throw you on the bed. <laughs> and it's like, okay, well, in that case, your room then. <laughs> um, and then uh, we also learned that my room had a housekeeper. Again, you know, I think we're getting its and bits of her life, right? You know, again, I think we're really building up to her parents I'm imagining she's an only child and her parents, uh, it's tough because we haven't heard about the dad. All we've heard is that the mom, or was it the parents or just the mom? I don't know. But you know, like them, oh no, they would, they would never call me Ma here. They never call me my first name. Just like, I mean, I feel like. The story has to be that, like, the parents suck, right? Because at first I was like, oh, maybe the parents are dead. But it's like, the way she talks about them, she doesn't talk about them like they're dead. She talks about them like they are they were there, but they weren't very good parents, I guess. Weren't very close. Um, maybe not bad parents, I don't know. And then her talking about, like, the housekeeper. Like, the housekeeper would take care of it. The housekeeper is the one who, you know, it's like, to me, that, that really makes me feel like she has, like, rich parents or something. And the rich parents just are, are never around, you know, and so like the housekeeper kind of watched me and took care of me day and night, you know, um, which sucks, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's kind of what we learned there. And again, like they're, they're just getting closer, you know, them like holding hands while she sleeps. It's just like the show knows exactly what it's doing. <laughs> you know, we're only four episodes in, you know, we're, we're getting, we're getting, we're getting that prime romance slice of life content right here. So love it. Love it so much. Uh, next, we got the Ice Guy and his cool female colleague, episode four. Um, so what do we got? We got Fuyutsuki invites Himaru to see George the Kitten 2, a family movie. But, uh, you know, they watch it because she's, she's really into it. I like how she's a little embarrassed about it. But he's like, nah, man, that's cool. That's cool. We can go see it. Um, you know, again, it's just another small thing that's kind of on their road to being together. Um, and neither of them can sleep, which is really relatable because, you know, I mean, just, just for anything, right? You ever have something the next day that you're really excited about and you just can't sleep? You're just like, you're, you're just thinking about tomorrow? Yeah, that's that's what they're both going through right now. Um, Fuyutsuki was crying at the movie, which is very sweet. You know, her, her crying at like a family movie. But, you know, I, you know, to me, that, you know, I feel like that's like the equivalent of, you know, people cry at like Disney movies or Pixar movies or something. She's like, oh, you know, we, you know, some of these movies do have those moments. Um, you know, she gets just, she gets really into it. Um, then they are coincidentally working overtime together. 
such a coincidence. But you know, they're they're working overtime, so they get to hang out even more. Uh, they both love it, and uh, you know, their phone calls aren't coming through, and they play these little games and stuff. And uh, you know, I, you know, I think that with like the movie and then the overtime, I think the show does a really good job of kind of setting itself apart from other little romance comedy shows, because I feel like most of the ones we see are where it's it's two like teenagers when they're in school, right? So this one going more the adult route and they are like in their 20s maybe 30s i don't know um you know you know i'm kind of pegging them like late 20s maybe like mid to late 20s that's kind of what i'm pegging them at um it's interesting because they are both like kind of naive when it comes to their feelings i think you know which i you know which does you know is, is very apparent when it is the classic you know, middle school or high school, uh, you know, relationships, but, um, you know, they are adults, so they are do like more like adult things, you know, instead of like them being in a classroom, like kind of giving each other the eyes across the room, you know, um, invite each other to like the school festival or whatever, you know, you know, being weird and like the, you know, the like, uh, kid way that like kids are weird about love is more so like an adult thing where it's like, oh yeah, we do overtime. We kind of do this, you know, um, I don't know. I don't know, I think at the very least just the situations they're put in is very refreshing because it is like they're at work or they're inviting each other out to dinner and they go to like a nice restaurant or something, you know. Um, again, you know, very, very refreshing when it comes to, you know, comparing it to all the other sort of like, you know, because you know, again, the one I just talked about, Angel Next Door Spoils Me Rotten, you know, they are both in school, they're both, you know. There's a little different because we don't see a lot of school stuff. We see them together at their homes, but still, it is it you know it's it's, it's different, right? Um, and it's funny because while they're doing that, the other coworkers they're trying to like figure out what movie they saw. You know, it's like a little like mystery investigation they got going on. Um, they're like, well, clearly George the Kitten too. Then the movie, that's not the one they watched. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's funny because that is exactly the one they watched. Um, you know, but also, you know, again, this is different where it's not like kids, bunch of friends outside circle trying to figure out what two, two of their friends inside the circle are doing. It's just like coworkers and, you know, there's no like malicious intent behind it. They're just like, oh, these two, you know, these two are kind of getting close recently. I wonder, I wonder what they're doing, you know? And, you know, they're both rooting for them all the way. Um, yeah. And then, uh, we have a cute moment where they, they drew each other's icon pictures um, yeah, and now they're all trying to guess, like, oh, did you see this? You, you know, Himuro, you know, drew my picture. Fuyutsuki drew my picture. Isn't that crazy? And then, you know, everyone there is like, oh, this is incredible, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, uh, you know, Fuyutsuki and Himuro are just like, man, they haven't responded to us. You know, I kind of wanted to hear their opinion on our pictures. <laughs> and, you know, so it's, just, it, you know, it's funny because, like, the, you know, they think, oh, they didn't see the, the photos or, you know, they just don't have anything to say, whatever. But in reality, they're, like, rooting for you guys. Like, they're like, yeah, this is awesome. Um... So yeah, yeah, again, you know, this is another show, you know, it is funny that I kind of have this one and Angel Next Door kind of back to back because I feel very similarly about them where they're just two nice shows about people being close to each other, getting close to each other. Um, and you know, again, no, no real like big conflict, no real like, um, you know, stress or anything like that when it comes to these shows. It's just two very wholesome shows, people doing stuff, having fun. Um, and that's really all these two shows have to be. Um, so again... Excited to see next episode, see what situation they put themselves in. Again, we've already gone through like dinner, movie, you know, so I wonder, you know, I feel like soon, 
you know, I feel like soon we're, we're gearing up to like one of them inviting the other one over to their place. And I feel like that, you know, that could be a, a next episode deal. So we'll see. We'll see. Uh, next, we got the magical revolution of the reincarnated princess and the genius young lady. Um, very long title. <laughs> if you're watching the video version, <laughs> you can see how squished I had to make the title. <laughs> Just like, man, it's about 20 words. Uh, episode four, of course. Um, yeah, this is great. Um, yeah, so we open up, there's a dragon. So we get more fantasy elements in here. Um, love the dragon, right? Uh, it's always, always was a wild card when, when a show has a dragon. It's like, ooh, it's a dragon. It's a very powerful creature. What are we going to do? Um, but then we just kind of cut away from that because who cares, right? Um, we got Ilya comparing Annis to a dog, which is funny because, again, you know, their, their whole relationship, you, you know, you got to love a, a, like, snarky maid, right? That just, like, you know, treats the princess, you know, in, in, in like, that certain way. And, like, the princess is like, hey, what are you doing? You know, the, the level of disrespect. <laughs> um, you know, that was, that was a funny moment. Um, we have a very nice, wholesome moment between Annis and Yuffie where, you know, they have a whole conversation. But, you know, the main gist of it is Annis says, we'll figure it out together. And that's so awesome. You know, I think that's really reassuring for Yuffie's character because Yuffie is in this weird spot where, you know, we've mentioned it a million times already, but, you know, Yuffie keeps saying like, oh, you know, I was, I was, I was kind of raised to be, you know, the next queen or whatever, you know, kind of, you know, performing my, my duties, you know, that, that sort of thing, royalty, how people see me, what they want from me. And now that's all away. So now I'm like, I don't know what to do with my life, basically, um, you know, and like she kind of feels useless and, you know, she even tells Annis like, please give me some orders. You know, you are, you are royalty, you're part of the royal family. You know, I'm sure whatever you tell me to do, I'll, I will, I will fulfill to the best of my ability, all that stuff. You know, like she, she, she's lacking purpose in her life where she, all she had was her purpose up until now. Um, and now that's been stripped away from her. So now she's like, I don't know who I am, you know? Um, you know, again, I mean, I don't know, I guess to maybe put it in more real perspective i don't know it's just like what if you train your whole life you know you know what if you're an athlete from childhood you know you train your whole life you play you know to go to one of our shows blue lock for example right and you train your whole life you play soccer that's that's basically what your whole life is right you love soccer um you know your your whole life is planned out to play soccer professionally all that stuff and then and you know you you all through school you go to college or university and you know you're on a you're in a great school for college you're on the team whatever you're a starter all that stuff and then you have a career ending injury you can never play soccer again it kind of be like that where you're like well what do i do now like that was my whole life that is all i was ever going to do with my life i don't i didn't develop any other skills i didn't i didn't make any other connections to any other job or industry or hobby or anything like pretty much when I wasn't eating or sleeping <laughs> and doing schoolwork I was playing soccer so it's like now that I can never play soccer again what do I do <laughs> you know it, it can kind of be similar to that um you know it's like I was I was training my whole life to be basically a queen right and like my whole life was catered to that and now that I'm not gonna do that I don't I don't know what my life is supposed to be you know 
Um, and also on top of that, to like separate it a little bit from the soccer analogy, with the soccer thing, in, in, in my scenario, you were choosing to do that, right? That's what you wanted to do. In, uh, in Yuffie's situation, that was kind of thrust upon her where she was like, yeah, this, this is what you're going to do. So, you know, she was kind of given this purpose. And so now that purpose was taken away from her. She's like, well, someone needs to give me another purpose, <laughs> you know? Um, but like, you know, Annis being like, we'll figure it out together is like, oh, yes, that is that is exactly what you were supposed to say. Because now that reassures Yuffie, it's like, hey, you don't got to know right now. Like we, like, we can take time. Um, and then what do we got? Oh, yeah, and then some, some, a little bit more explanation as to how, why Ilya is the way she is. Um, Ilya doesn't treat Annis like royalty, kind of per her request, you know? So, you know, she kind of explains her whole backstory. And, you know, Annis doesn't like being treated like a princess. She doesn't like being treated like royalty, you know, you know, the kind of, you know, the way just like commoners or whatever you know, we'll treat royalty because that's how they're expected to be treated. You know, Annis is just like, nah, just like, I'm, a, I'm like, I'm a person, you know, like, I don't, I don't like none of that. I mean, you can see that from personality too. You know, the way she, as an adventurer, the way she just kind of does stuff, you know, how she crashed into the part where her brother was cutting it off with Euphelia and they're being like, all right, Euphelia, let's come with me. It's just like, what? <laughs> um, but you know, I, I love that because that says a lot about Annis's character, but it says a lot about Ilya's character too. Because on top of that, um, you know, we 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 see that Annis is taking in Yuffie, this kind of like how she took in Ilya, right? So you know, that's another kind of connection that Ilya and Yuffie have, where Ilya's just like, that's just what Annis does, you know, um, you know, and, and she kind of even talks about where it's like, you know, she talks about her, you know, her life before Annis and like how she was like the maid and she was the very stereotypical like servant you know helping whoever she's supposed to help but but she's like you know she she kind of has this energy of like yeah it was it was like easier or simpler or whatever you know you know it kind of makes you think that she you know feels like anis is a hassle but then she flips the script with her like emotions you know you know you know you know kind of saying like but 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 this is way more fun you know like taking care of anis you know you know kind of helping her out her whole, you know, uh, you know, attitude towards me and like how, you know, our relationship that we have or whatever, you know, cause even Yuffie is like, your relationship with Annis is kind of weird, right? <laughs> you know, and Ailey's like, well, yes, it is. But, you know, it's, again, like it's, it, um, you know, I'm sure it's way more fun than just being a stereotypical, like maid servant to whoever, you know, to some other royalty, right? It's way more fun. It's way more interesting. It's probably way more fulfilling. And, um, you know, it's, it's probably way less monotonous too. I don't know, you know, and also Ilya, or I'm sorry, uh, Annis probably treats her way more like a person than the stereotypical princess would treat the stereotypical maid, right? You know, we have, I mean, we have those tropes and stories all the time where it's like, you, you treat them like the help, right? And Annis doesn't really do that, you know? Um, you know, so I'm sure that that helps as well. Um, you feel surprised that Annis is a gold rank adventurer. <laughs> gold rank adventure are you kidding me ridiculous um yuffie is surprised that anis oh, i already read that <laughs> read the same note twice um anis wants the magicites from the dragon that's like her whole thing right you know she kind of explains like well I'm, I'm an adventurer because i need the materials you know like i need the materials from the monsters to do the whole magicology stuff it makes perfect sense you know but it's funny because you know yuffie kind of freaks out 
you know, probably because one, you're a princess. That's not supposed to be a thing princesses do, but also probably, you know, a little bit concerned for her safety, right? Um, Yuffie insists that Annis bring her along, which is nice. It's kind of a, you know, growth of her character, her trying to get closer to Annis, I think, um, you know, but also kind of give herself some purpose to be like, okay, you're doing this thing. I don't want you to do this thing, but clearly, and we, you know, kind of side-eye Illy a little bit here, that little two-second exchange with Ilya was like, okay, Ilya's clearly tried to stop her before, and Ilya's telling me, nothing you tell her will stop her. <laughs> so, Yuffie's like, okay, I'm gonna go with you. You know, I think it makes sense, you know, you know, you know, Yuffie definitely isn't as much of, like, an adventurer, um, you know, just kind of in spirit, I feel like, than, than Annis is, but she does have the whole, like, tool, I forget what it's called, um, you know, but the, the cool, like, elemental sword thing that she has, um, and also them, them being together, them going on a little adventure together, I think will be interesting. Um, and then Algard wants to go after the dragon. So we have a nice little ending to the episode here where Algard, you know, I think, you know, he, you know, his whole thing is, you know, I don't think he's trying to disrespect, um, you know, the family or anything like that. You know, I, you know, he just really wants his own path. Um, you know, he doesn't want to be told what to do. He wants to make his own path and be happy doing what he wants to do, which is fair, you know? Um, so he wants to go after the dragon, right? You know, he wants to be a warrior. He wants to, you know, all that stuff. And, you know, he kind of convinces his dad to let him go, the king, right? And then right as, right in the middle of the king being like, all right, Algard, by royal decree or whatever, you're to go. Someone busts in and is like, yeah, so uh, we have witnesses seeing uh, Annis and uh, Yuffie going to the forest, <laughs> going after the dragon. And he's just like, uh, the heaviest sigh you ever heard in your life just like why why is my daughter like this why is she like this <laughs> why why what what am i gonna do you know i'm just i'm just a king i'm just a man <laughs> you know um so now he has both children going after this dragon jesus <laughs> um but yeah you know again that, that, that does cause some problems for algard because you know algard does you know i, I don't really think algard necessarily resents Annis, you know, you know, but I think just in general, he just kind of resents the situation where he kind of knows that Annis is kind of first up, um, you know, so we'll see how that goes. You know, we'll see that, that, that little clash, I'm sure. Um, yeah, again, love it. I, I can't wait to see them fight the dragon. Uh, next we got Buddy Daddy's probably, you know, I was thinking about this. I, I think I've said this before, probably my favorite show, if not my like top three Definitely top three favorite shows this season. Love Buddy Daddies. Uh, episode four, of course. Um, obviously very inspired by Spy Family. You know, but I think, it, you know, I don't think it's just a, a straight clone. You know, I think it does enough different where it's like, nah, nah, but this is like its own show, though. Um, so we got Koski and Ray. They're exhausted, right? Which, uh, you know, makes sense. You never you never had a kid before. Now automatically you're thrust into fatherhood. Um, also Miri, a lot of energy. A lot of energy messing stuff up <laughs> always saying sorry and it's like you can't say sorry with a laugh <laughs> that's that's not good like like mentally um um so they try to get a daycare miri basically told the one daycare some confidential stuff you know some stuff that they probably could have explained but koski kind of freaked out and is like all right that uh we are done with that daycare <laughs> we can never go back there again um, but they eventually do get a daycare there, and Miri's very excited to start going to daycare. Um, you know, it, it kind of starts off with a place where it's, like, not really telling her fully what daycare is going to be. You know, I'm sure she doesn't really want to be away from her, you know, her two papas. 
um, you know, for like eight hours a day. But, you know, I'm sure she'll have fun, right? Especially like playing with her kids and stuff. You know, like I'm sure she, she, she would love to do that. Because um, I imagine she's never really done that before. Um, so, yeah, super happy about that. Awesome. Um, we have the, the, the stress of that whole thing where they have to like buy her all types of stuff. They have to write her name on everything. Um, you know, you know, which is funny that they tried to do that all in one night. It's like, no, you can just write her name on all this stuff for like tomorrow. Like, like you can slowly get through all of her clothes, you know, like you don't have to write her name on everything tonight, <laughs> you know? Um, and then they, so Koski has this idea to dress up very nice, you know, have all the best stuff, you know, Miri have all the best stuff, dress up really nice, you know, they get compared to mobsters, <laughs> um, and, you know, it's, uh, I sort of had, like, some secondhand embarrassment there for them when I was watching this, um, but there are some negatives to this, you know, it's not just like, oh, it's kind of like a cringe anime moment, but, you know, it's like a dad who thinks he's doing the right thing, whatever, it, it does get more than that, right, so, you know, we get to the daycare, um, you know, we have a funny moment where, you know, it's, it's, it's the one thing, the one thing Koski wants to do is like make her food and the daycare lady, you know, Miss, Miss Anna is like, oh, I'm sorry. We, we kind of provide meals to all the kids. Like you're, you have to take that back, <laughs> you know, um, he, you see how really sad he is because, you know, the, the, the one thing that, that Koski really takes pride in is his food. So that's, you know, it's a funny moment. Um, but the kind of sad part of all this is that no one wants to play with Miri. And, you know, I was, I was really confused, you know, you know, I kind of had like a, a inkling of an idea why, but I'm like, man, no one, no one wants to play with her, that's really sad. And then we see a montage of like every day, you know, Koski picking up Miri and like slowly, um, you know, slowly Miri is just like not having a good time. And it's like, oh, no one's playing with her, no one wants to, you know, what's, you know, she's all alone, like, of, of course she would hate it, you know? Um, you know, she's a very outgoing, wants to play, wants to be included, wants to, you know, let's, let's do some stuff. And we learn that all the expensive items and clothing that Miri has is making her stand out and kind of making her look like this, like, rich kid. It's like, you know, a prim and proper rich kid who, you know, kind of, like, separated from, from everyone else. You know, oh, you don't want to get dirty. You don't want to you know, rough house, you don't want to, you know, do this, do that, because, you know, your clothes will get dirty, or you might get hurt, or whatever, you know, you know, kind of seen as, like, you know, you know, it's like doll, that, like, other kids are just like, ah, you know, maybe we shouldn't, you know, um, you know, and that's like, wow, like, you know, I didn't really think that was gonna, we're gonna, like, come back on them, you know, I thought it was gonna be, like, a weird, you know, little funny moment with, uh, you know, with Koski and whatever, but, you know, the fact that really made him stand out, I'm like, wow, I never really thought of that, that, you know, I'm, you know, I'm trying to think in, like, you know, I feel like that's maybe more of a Japan thing, you know, because I feel like in, in my school anyway, I don't think anyone would be like, oh, you have nice clothes, we're not gonna, not gonna play with you, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was an interesting moment though, um, you know, but then we have a, we have a great, you know, kind of rebound from that when, you know, he's like, oh, I don't really know where to buy, like, clothes like that, that you can get dirty and whatever, and they, and they show him to this other store, and it's basically the difference of, going to like a really high-end like department store or you know you know some like fashion store you know you know you know a place that has a little more like fashion or designer items and then going to like target or walmart or something and buying clothes there it's like wow everything here is cheap 
and it's you can buy everything you know we got they got everything here you know the whole like sewing a loop into the hand towel it's like there's hand towels here with loops in them already you know because that's that's what you expect um you know it's it's great it's awesome and here's a nice moment where it's like buy every you can get anything you want <laughs> everything is so cheap here <laughs> you know um you know so that's that's great um and yeah and then you know with the help of koski you know because miri a little bit scarred a little bit scarred after these days and days maybe a week or two whatever of all the kids kind of like shunning her you know you know not because they were being mean you know i don't i personally i don't blame the kids you know it's just kind of like this this notion of like oh well this is this so this is that so she's not gonna want to play with us right you know the other kids were kind of being like too nice and too courteous with with this like you know you know notion that she's like rich and pristine and all, all whatever um, you know, so, you know, she's a little shy, and so Koski kind of tosses the ball, makes a little show of it, and now everyone's playing together, you know, and it's great, it's awesome, it's such a good moment, and then she has friends, she says bye to a couple people by name, it's like, oh, she made friends, it's great, and then we have a little end credit scene where Miri, she finally has her own room, so it's just like, everything's coming up Miri, <laughs> you know, it's so good, and, and like, the room is such a big thing, too, because this just further cements how they're keeping her like long term because like she didn't have a room before because i was like well why would we make you a room like we're gonna bring you back to your family or orphanage or something you know but now that she has a room it's like she has like planted her flag basically and i was like oh it's so good you know like you know, like, you know this show is one where it's like you know there, there, there's conflict there's problems there's you know stuff that happens, you know, that needs to be resolved and whatever, but, you know, I feel like this is another show that's just pure good time, like, just wholesome moments, like, them all together doing stuff, you know, it's really not focusing on the whole, like, spy, hitman stuff as much, um, which, which I'm okay with, you know, it's, it's very similar to Spy Family, where, you know, I'm not really gonna spoil Spy Family too much, but, you know, instead of focusing on the spy aspect as much, I feel like it's nice when they just focus on the family aspect, of spy family because that's that's really what we want you know like i'm i'm cool with ever so often getting some crazy spy action but I, I i love just the regular like family moments that happen in spy family you know the really wholesome or comedic you know whatever moments so you know i think this show was very similar to that where it's like i'm cool with like next episode if they go more heavy on the spy stuff like you know they got a daycare so maybe we focus on like a mission that that koski and ray have for like the majority of the episode but like for the most part, you know, I just want to see little moments like this where she gets her own room or we're trying to figure out the whole like shopping thing so that, you know, Miri won't stand out. Um, you know, I love I love those moments. OK, we got next Revenger. Um, Revenger is the first show on the list, I guess, that I dropped. Um, I was having a good time with the show. I, I think the problem for me is that when I really came down to it, you know, again, I want to preface this by saying I came into this week kind of wanting to drop shows because there's there's just too many shows I'm covering, you know, and, you know, I really had to get my priorities in order where I said, like, okay, which shows am I excited to watch? Not just the shows where I'm like, oh, this is cool. It's a cool show. I, I want to only keep the shows that I'm excited to watch. Like every week I'm like, man, I can't watch. I can't wait to watch X, you know, like with Buddy Daddy. So like I just talked about. Like, I, like, every week, I'm like, I can't wait to watch the Buddy Daddies episode. And, you know, so that's kind of how I came into this week of being like, which shows am I going to continue? Which shows am I going to drop? 
and just on the list as we're going through it revenge is the first one where i'm like i'm not really excited to watch revenger like like the the art style i really enjoy um you know you know some of the action is really fun but other than that like the story isn't really something i care about too much like it, it has interesting moments with the whole like opium thing and then them being the whole like revengers or whatever um you know but like for the most part i'm just like i don't really care like i don't really care about the interaction between like like having the, the like character moments i'm not like super into them um and then just the overall story i'm just like it's moving a little slow for me and i also don't know that i really am as invested as i need to be in the story so yeah so that's kind of where i'm at with it. again the art style and the action is fun but that for me is not enough to carry a show especially when I have 20 other shows to watch and I'm like, okay, well, if I'm going to cut something, I'm going to cut something like this, you know? Um, so yeah, unfortunately I'm going to cut that. Uh, next we have giant beast of ours. Uh, again, that's another show I cut. Um, I, I, I kind of mostly decided I was going to cut it last episode. Like if you remember, that was really the show I was talking about maybe cutting. And, uh, it was, it was a very easy cut for me because, you know, again, for, for this, this is a show that started off pretty strong, first couple episodes, but then after that, it just kind of, I, you know, I think got muddied, you know, in its own world, I think. Again, the, the, the world is somewhat interesting with the whole beasts and um, just like the magic and all that, but I feel like the characters weren't really hitting for me, like they still felt kind of bland, kind of generic, and then even like the moment-to-moment -moment stuff wasn't really fun enough for me to keep watching i'm like in the you know in the animal thing the animal people and the whatever i'm just like i don't really care about this like this show kind of got to a point where more and more it was feeling like just like these characters traveling and doing stuff together like i don't i don't care you know like i that kind of story setup almost never works for me like i i don't want to see a bunch of characters just doing stuff with no real end goal again giant beast of ours I understand what the end goal is, you know, them to kind of, you know, whatever, um, you know, merge and, you know, figure out the whole power thing and, you know, run away from the people that are chasing her. Like, I get it, but there's really nothing about it that really sticks out for me. It's just kind of a show where there's fantasy, beasts, they fight stuff, whatever. I don't, I don't really care enough. Um, so yeah, unfortunately, drop giant beast of ours. However, next, I have a show that I am most certainly never dropping because it is the second season of something but also is incredible um vinland saga season two episode three um incredible man just 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 so good um it's, it's just good so we have omar throwing a tantrum um you know you know because he has this whole thing where he's you know he's trying to become more than his father um you know he, you know, he wants people to not treat him like a kid Unfortunately, when you throw a childlike tantrum, hard for people not to see you as a child. Um, and so, Omar is told by Snake, Snake, right? No, Fox. Sorry, Fox. They all have animal names. <laughs> um, so he's told by Fox, like, hey, you know how you can become a man? You just gotta kill somebody. <laughs> and it's like, okay, okay, yeah, I can, I can do that. Um, you know, it's like a rite of passage, right? Like, oh, I just gotta got kill somebody and then, and then we'll do it. Um, I don't know about that. 
I don't know, that immediately makes you a man. You know, because he's like, oh, then you'll see how feeble humans are and they'll never be afraid of another human again because you'll you'll know the power. You'll know how easy it is to just take someone's life, you know. Fair, fair. I mean, you know, I mean, the way they went about it, like cutting a man down that isn't going to fight back. I don't really know how strong that would make you feel, <laughs> you know. You know, it's like, it's like killing a baby. It's like, ha, ah, humans are weak. I'm like, well, babies are weak. <laughs> well, you know, a baby's pretty weak. I don't know that that, you know, perfectly, uh, you know, like, encompasses all humans <laughs> to compare them all to babies. But, you know, you, know, you do you. You know, go off, King. Um, Thorfinn woke up screaming, which is great. Not for him, you know, not, not happy that he has these, these, you know, trauma, uh, you know, trauma nightmares, but we're getting more of that, man. We're getting more of that little backstory to, you know, little, little inklings of what happened to him because even without the mystery of what exactly happened between season one and season two, all of season one is enough to give someone trauma, you know, for him to wake up, be screaming. It's like, oof, you know, and then even nice little moments with Anar. Um, like noticing this and being like, damn, like Thorfinn has gone through some stuff. Like I've been through stuff. I have not woken up screaming. <laughs> like he must've, ooh, you know, um, you know, cause at, at this point, if I'm being honest, guys, I don't, I don't love Anar as a character. I'm biased. I think we're all biased because Thorfinn, we whole first season was Thorfinn, right? So we, we love him. We want to know more about him. We don't really care about Anar as a main character. Not nearly as much, right? But I do like the way his character is going, you know, like I, I, I want him to get past the whole like headstrongness because I, I don't like how everything he's just like so combative, you know, and like almost like very theatric with this stuff um, because I'm just like, you know, like I, I understand why it's necessary because, you know, I feel like his character being the way it is is necessary for Thorfinn to do what Thorfinn needs to do. Because Thorfinn's on the other side of the spectrum, where he's just, like, defeated as a human. He, he's just a husk. He's just like, I'm a slave, do my work, eventually maybe buy my freedom, and then I'll just dig a hole and die. <laughs> you know? Like, you know, you know. so I think they're, they're two polar opposites that I think are necessary to have for each other, but I really just want them to mesh more, maybe learn more about each other, and then maybe break each other's shells and kind of meet somewhere in the middle with their personalities and not you know Thorfinn be dead inside and Anar just be um just like super like again like super emotional and theatric with like, all of his decisions you know I wish they would kind of meet in the middle a little bit which you know I think is why they're they're put together um we have Arnhide uh who was also a slave right where we kind of thought and, you know, it's funny because before she, uh, you know, before she revealed that, you know, as they were talking, I was like, okay, she's either the daughter of, of, of the master or she's a slave. And then she was like, I'm also a slave. I was like, nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, those were the only two options, you know, you know, you know I kind of cast my net really wide, you know. I'd be surprised if she said something other than I'm the daughter or I'm a slave. I don't know what the third option would be. Um, but, you know, I, I still feel like that's a win, you know. 
Um, you know, so that was the thing to learn. Oh, I'm a slave too. Like, whoa, you're a slave too. That's crazy. Um, so I'm sure we'll see more of her at some point. Um, Anar tackled Olmar. Thorfinn is very calm. Um, yeah, because there's a whole thing where they caught the slaves and he, he was like, all right, Olmar, kill them. Strike them down. <laughs> Smite them. Um, and so, you know, we see the two personalities again where Olmar, or not Olmar, sorry, uh, Anar tackles him and basically like, sacrifices himself. He's like, Thorfinn, go, get out of here. And Thorfinn just stands there. <laughs> he's just like a statue. He's, he's, he's like one step away from just like T-posing, <laughs> you know? Um, and then the other people like come up with swords like, you, you better not move. And, I, and it's just so clear like Thorfinn has not moved a muscle. Like why, like you think putting swords on him? Um, and Einar's like, why aren't you leaving? Why aren't you going? You know, take, take this chance, go. Um, and it's funny because then Thorfinn says the the unbelievable one. He's like, he can cut me down. You know, you, you only need one of us, right? Why don't you let Einar go and he can, he can kill me. And there's this really tense, like a fantastic, like the, the best sequence in the whole episode right here. Because it's like, you know, he, he's like treating him like an idiot. He's like, you do know that cut down means kill, right? Ha 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 ha. And Thorfinn's like, yeah, I know what it means. <laughs> you know, he's like, oh, this, this dumb slave. He's like, no, I, I understand. Like, I'm, 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 I'm literate. I understand what it means. Um, you know, he has this whole speech about like, you know, what's the point of living? Why do we live? You know, do, you know, do we just live to not die? You know, my, my whole life, um, you know, nothing good has happened to me in my whole life. Like, there's no point in me living because the longer I live, the more sadness and tragedy happens to me. Just kill me, you know, please just, just end me, you know? Um, you know, and that really goes against, it's, it's a very interesting, uh, tactic. It's, I mean, although, to, or Thorfinn, not a tactic. <laughs> He's just speaking the truth, his truth. Um, and it's funny because Fox hates this, right? You know, cause the Fox, like he, he wants, he needs to feel superior. So, you know, he hates that Thorfinn is not trembling, is not begging for his life, is not resisting because that kind of diminishes his power, you know, because his whole power he has over them is that he's good with the sword. He can kill them at any moment if he really wants to, right? And so now he has this slave that's just like, okay, do it, you know, please, <laughs> you know, um, it, it hurts him. So he starts like cutting him up. He's like, go ahead, beg for your life, beg for your life, whatever. And Thorfinn is the most gangster, one of the most gangster anime villain, anime villains, anime characters, modern anime characters. He's just getting cut up on the on the chest, on the shoulder, the face, all this stuff. He's not moving a muscle. He's not flinching. He's not blinking. Nothing. The most gangster. Oh my god, crazy. Um, and so, you know, Fox is getting really upset about this. Um, Snake comes along. He's another character, right? He's just watching this, and he's like, "Wow, that's impressive." He's not moving. Um, you know, Fox cuts off his ear, not his whole ear, but just like a, like a, like a chunk of his ear, basically. Thorfinn, yo, Thorfinn has not blinked once. He hasn't blinked in three minutes, <laughs> you know? I mean, it's, oh my God. And so Snake comes out of nowhere. He's like, what's, what's, uh, what's, what's going on here? And this, and this puts, now Fox is trembling, you know? And, uh, you know, Snake is like, oh, you're very, very impressive young man. And he turns to Fox punches him in the face harder than i've ever seen someone get punched in the face before this man lost three teeth his his nose is now inside of his you know is now coming out the back of his neck you know like crazy um 
you know, because the whole thing, I mean, you, you got caught, you know, you know, even, you know, even Omar was, you know, at the whole start of this, he was like, these are my dad's slaves, you know, like these are, and then, and then, uh, you know, Fox is like, but they're yours. What are you, what are you chickening out for? You know, this is your family. And then even Snake comes in and, you know, cause that's the whole thing where Fox realizes that, you know, Omar was right. Like these are not Omar's slaves. These are not his slaves. These are the, da- these are the masters, the dad's slaves. And you were just cutting him up. He's, he, you know, this Thorfinn, bad condition. I mean, you know, Thorfinn is, is, you know, he's fine, right? He's got cuts, whatever. He's, he's going to go through it, but that doesn't look good, you know? So now what, you know, what do you think the master's going to say to Fox when, when, when Snake is like, hey, they, they, they look what Fox did to you, one of your slaves, you know, he's not going to be happy. So, you know, and then he's like, hey, worm or something. I, I forget, badger or something. Hey, explain, explain what happened here. Um, that's kind of how the episode ends, but it's just like, love it, you know, perfect, you know, Thorfinn being, you know, being a G, you know, uh, interesting to have what's going to happen to Anar, Fox, like all, all this stuff. Like, I can't wait to see next episode because, you know, I feel like that, that whole scene, especially with Thorfinn, like just taking it, just, just eating those, those punches basically, I think is going to lead to something. I really think is going to lead to something. So, uh, we'll, we'll see what that is. Next, we have The Misfits of Demon King Academy, uh, Season 2, Episode 3. Um, not too much happened here, um, so you know, probably go through kind of quick, but still still really fun, right? Uh, we have a funny, not really fan service, but sort of like, in essence, it's fan service where it's like an indirect transfer, which I think is a playoff of like an indirect kiss. Uh, it's like, indirect transfer, we got transferred here with him, they got blah, blah, blah. You know, they're all like, they're all going crazy over it and they're like, hey, calm down. <laughs> um, we have a a Hearthurn. A a Hearthurn is a place that they're going to. Just wanted to write that down. Um Anos caused an eclipse. Again, just, just showing how OP this character is, where he's like, even moving a moon is not above my ability. It's like, alright man, calm down. <laughs> um They get there and and they're all saying that Misa or Misha. It's Misha. I don't know why I wrote down Misa. Misha is 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 Leno, uh, and she wants to know where her father is, right? So that's like a big thing. I'm sure we'll come back later, you know, because they're saying that oh, she's the she's the ancestor, she's the reincarnate, the ancestor, whatever of of Leno, and who's my dad? Blah blah blah. So that's that's a whole little backstory to her character that I'm sure we'll get more of later. Um, they're all being tested by a tree, which I thought was really funny. <laughs> it's like the freaking you know we got the you know we got the Deku tree from from Zelda here. Um, Anos read all those books just in a row, just like in 10 seconds. Uh, Misha read half of the books (laughs) and Sasha's looking there like, how did you, what do you, why am I surrounded by demons? Well, I guess, you know, they are all demons, but like, you know, why, why am I surrounded by monsters? What do you mean you just read all those books? That is, that is physically impossible. And then, you know, you know, and then even Misha's like, oh yeah, I, I don't know. I, I only got through half. And Sasha's like, half? How, how did you get through one book? Who can read one book in nine seconds? <laughs> what are you talking about? I, I love Sasha. She's funny. Um, and yeah, we have this whole kind of like head to head thing. Again, I, I don't want to really get into the details here because I don't think they're super important, but all the scores came back 100. And it's funny because uh, I think with the whole like eclipse thing and the power, like anything can come back to 100. So, you know, his whole plan is like, well, you know, this 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 answer could be interpreted that way, you know, blah, 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 you know, and then, you know, the one dude is mad, but then you look at the one dude and it's like, well, you cheated anyway, 
you know like you know it'd be different if you answered them all honestly and you did all the work you know i feel like you would have an argument for like what do you mean you're just reinterpreting questions and answers and everything but you also cheated <laughs> like honest and them didn't cheat i mean you know didn't really cheat but you also cheat like you definitely you know what are you what are you talking about um so yeah and now basically they're all he's like everyone's eligible to take the trial you know so i'm sure we're gonna we're gonna see that next episode so yeah not not really too much to talk about here you know i feel like it was you know was kind of like more of like a gag goof episode um yeah i think you know i think next episode's gonna be more more actiony and more like you know ooh, stuff's actually happening um whereas this one was just like let's all read the books and let's take the test and that's uh you know freaking uh you know we got the wait the tuning exams here right remember the tuning exams in naruto where they all take a test and they'll and they were all like expected to cheat right um kind of like that so next we have don't don't toy with me miss nagatoro season two episode four um yeah great show i love this show again i'm reading the manga with this one so i already know everything that happens but it's still incredible i've seen it animated um, and yeah, just, just, just a fun time in general. Um, so we have Nagatoro, who was not expecting Senpai to be at her house. <laughs> she was very caught off guard. She's like, oh, why are you here? What's happening? I'm in my pajamas. My hair's crazy, you know? Um, you know, so that was fun. Um, Anetoro, who's Nagatoro's older sister, uh, tried to trap Nagatoro with pudding. You know, tried to be like, oh, why don't you have this crazy pudding I made? And why don't you, why, you know, why don't we tell some stories? Why don't we, you know, just get some information? And Nagatora sees right through it. She's like, no, hey, senpai, we're going to eat in my room. We're not, we're, we're not, I'm not playing your game. <laughs> I will not be trapped here. Um, you will not bribe me. Um, and then, you know, the E or whatever. And Anatora brought some evil juice. <laughs> she was clearly listening into them because, you know, Nagatoro was finally comfortable enough to kind of tease senpai was going to feed him the spoon as soon as that happened Anator busted and with some juice like oh you guys are thirsty right it's like you demon <laughs> get out of here <laughs> um you know but but clearly you know that's that's who her character is again very very Nagatoro as well trying to mess with them um you know it's, it's just not, and then she also drops the bomb of like oh senpai we will we'll finish our conversation about Nagatoro later and Nagatoro's like what <laughs> what did what did she just say what are you what you're talking about me um trying to pry into my life um and uh you know it gets it gets really wholesome and very like honest um you know they they play a game right nagatoro's like we'll make a bet if you beat me then I, I'll, I'll tell you a secret you know whatever secret you want to know right and uh you know senpai just you know and you know obviously nagatoro's kind of teasing him with like some very lewd secrets like oh you want to know this you want to know that and you know senpai's just like i just i just want to know your name which is almost more, like, embarrassing for Nagatoro because, one, it's, like, not at all what she was expecting, you know? And then, two, it's, like, almost more personal than any, like, the, again, like, the, you know, the very lewd stuff that she was, you know, proposing. Um, because, like, oh, he doesn't know my name. Oh, wait, he, he wants to know my name? Like, he wants to know, again, like, it's, it's, it's more so, like, because the other stuff she was kind of proposing, which I don't think she would really do, but, you know, kind of messing with them was, like, physical, right? Whereas the name is, like, he wants to know more about me. What does this mean? You know what I mean? Like, like why does he want to know this? He wants to know more about me. It's it's it, it's just perfect, you know? Um, and then we get to a point where Senpai wins. 
Nagator is about to tell him, and then he says, wait, and, and it's not that he doesn't want to know her name, but he's like, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to know your name based on a bet, you know, you know, I don't want you to basically do it against your will, you know, I want to, I want to do it properly, I want to come out and ask you, and Nagator is like, hell yeah, indeed, uh, and then Anatora busts in, and again, I don't know that she was listening necessarily, but she does bust in and call Nagatora by her first name, Hayase, or uh, Hayase-chan, I think, right, um, and so yeah, kind of kind of defeats the purpose of the moment. Um, you know, they're kind of a little awkward around each other. You know, like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna tease you tomorrow, blah blah. blah. Um, but it's nice because then Senpai goes home and he's like, "Hi, say, hell yeah, awesome! I know it now, perfect." Um, so yeah, it was kind of kind of a win-win at the end of the day. Um, and then we have the very end. I think it's like a not really a post-credit, but just kind of like an ending thing here. And you know, a nice little bit uh, where you know. Nagatoro couldn't hold that po that like, kick pose forever, um, and then she like fell over, and you know Senpai ran over to kind of catch her fall, and she's like, "Did you did you break my fall?" And he's like, "Ah, you know, <laughs> you know." So again, just not not a lot there, but you know, just a nice nice little moment. You know, obviously the main thing there was him going to go help her, um, her checking in on her when she's sick, and then learning her name. That's like a big moment, right? I'm you know I'm sure at some point, and again, I'm I'm saying this. I was like, oh, I'm sure this will happen. It's like, aren't you reading the manga? It's like, I am reading the manga. If you think I remember every scene or even like the order of events, you are mistaken. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm also pretty sure I'm like fairly ahead too. So I'm like, this happened a while ago for me. Um, so I don't really remember. Uh, you know, it basically happens with every show I watch that's based on a manga. It's like, don't you know everything? It's like, yeah, but do I remember everything? <laughs> that's, that's the question. And the answer is no. Um, so yeah, I'm sure at some point there'll probably be a moment where he uses her name, and it'll probably be like a big moment. Um, you know, maybe you know, maybe something like I don't know, some some like motivational thing, maybe like hi essay or whatever, whatever. So yeah, it'll be nice. Next, we have um, contender for my favorite show this season. Again, sequels don't count. Season twos don't really count. You know, I'm not really counting that because it's like, well, of course I love Nakatora season two. Of course I love. Um, uh, what's the other one? Vinland Saga season two. Of course, I love those shows, right? Um, Kubo, contender, because it's, it's just so perfect, right? So if Kubo won't let me be invisible, episodes two and three, um, it's just a perfect show. You know, it's a nice little romance, you know, nice little rom com slice of life, like situational comedy type nonsense, and it, it, it's just perfect because everything about it's wholesome, everything about it is innocent, and uh, it's it's just fun. You know, it's kind of like. It's similar to Nagatoro, but not quite the same. I don't know. Um, so yeah, so we have Kubo let Shiraishi use her body wipes, uh, which is nice because it's like, oh, you're all sweaty, whatever. Oh, how does, how does Kubo smell so good even though she just ran? And now she's like, now we smell the same, <laughs> which is kind of creepy, but also kind of sweet at the same time. Um, and then uh, she helped him enter the bookstore, right? You remember that, where he can't, like... Like, his presence even doesn't really work on, like, the, like, automatic door sensors. So she walks up, and she's like, Oh, here, go into the bookstore. So that was... You know, again, us just discovering the different ways that Shiraishi is invisible to the world with just, like, normal person stuff is so funny. Um, she wants to borrow that manga from him, right? Because, you know we more than once we've seen him reading that that specific manga series and so you know we have a nice moment where, where kubo's like hey i want to you know i want to read it 
I want to read something that you're into, right? So let's let's do that. Again, a very nice like relationship kind of romance thing where it's like I want I want to learn more about what you're into. I want to try to be into what you're into, right? Um. Then we have the older sister who read her like a book, right? I don't, I don't did I write down her name? I don't think I did. No, I didn't. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, Kubo's older sister read her like a book, right? Where it's just like, um, you know, her like putting on the like expensive spray, um, you know, her getting up and leaving like 15 minutes earlier than she usually does. It's just like, oh, clearly there's, you know, there's like a guy that you're trying to impress, you know, trying to teasing her a little bit about it. But it's, again, it's, it's very sweet because she's not, she's not actually like, like bullying her. You know what I mean? Like, like it's not real. Like, oh, what do you have? You know, because again, there are other, there are other shows, other movies that will have that where the older sibling is actually a jerk and like, oh, wow, would anyone date you? You're, you're trash. And it's like, whoa, that's a little harsh. It's a little harsh. But in this one, she's just like. Ah, oh, come on! What are you doing? And then you know, then even when she leaves, she she says to herself like, "Oh, you know, maybe you know, maybe at some point I'll, I'll, show her how to like do her hair up or like some like different makeup or like, you know, skincare routine or or whatever. You know what I mean? Trying trying to be the older sister that kind of helps her out and, you know, because you know that's some I'm 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 a good older sibling. You know, I wanna I wanna look out for my younger siblings, right? Um, and have if I can help them be happy, then why wouldn't I? Um, then we have, we have, we have a moment where I think clearly, this is kind of the way I read it, where Kuba was trying to have her friends meet each other, um, you know, cause, you know, she's like, oh, this is where we meet, her two friends are here, and then Shirashi kind of leaves, and it's like, and you can tell Kuba's a little sad, you know, and, and I think, you know, this happened more than once where, you know, I think Shirashi just doesn't feel comfortable around the other people, you know, especially because no one else really sees him, and I think on top of that, it's just kind of, um, like muscle memory at this point because he's like, well, no one really sees me, so why would I, why would I stay here? You know what I mean? Let's just go to class and then whatever, you know, do do my thing. Um, you know, it's just like today's just like any other day, right? You know, so why would I do this? But you know, I think Kubo's really trying to be like, no, you know, because you know there was this like underlying, um, like mission for Kubo to like make him like a main character, right? Um, and you know, it's just tough to kind of push Rashi in that direction. Um, and then what else do we have? Uh, Shirashi is locked out, so Kubo invited him over. That was a big moment, right? Um, you know, gotta get home. He's like dirty. You gotta take a shower, or like all like the the rainwater or whatever. I take a shower. You'll be cold. You'll get a, you'll get sick. Invited him over, so that was a big moment. Um, you know, because I don't think right that was the first time he was ever at her place. Um, and then we have Shirashi at the park with with Seita, which is his younger brother, and. Uh, there's a great moment there where you know Saita's like here Kubo you know have, have you know have some was like hot chocolate or coffee or something he's like oh ha- have some and she's like oh yeah great this is delicious whatever and then he takes it Saita gives it to, to Shiraishi he's like here have some you know because he's in the he's in that like here take this take this take this um and Shiraishi just like fakes it and it's so funny because clearly like again if you ever I mean clearly if you ever watched anime before you know the whole like indirect kiss thing is like a big thing with anime um and so you know he fakes it and Saita's like super happy because he can't tell right he's like ah, and goes away and goes to play whatever and I just love like it cuts back and Kubo just has this like side eye to Shiraishi and she's just like 
I know what you did. <laughs> I know what you did, and I know why you did it. And she's like, hey, Shiraishi, why, why didn't you drink any? And he's like, oh, I don't know, you know, I, wouldn't, I didn't really want any, you know, I'm not really thirsty. And she's like, oh, are you, you, you sure you weren't, you weren't embarrassed about having an indirect kiss? And he's like, what? <laughs> what are you, what are you even saying? <laughs> you know, he's like, oh, I'm, I'm cold. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, 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 I'm going to go play with Saita. And she's just like, it makes even less sense. If you're cold, if you're cold, why didn't you drink any? Like you're like, your, your excuses are making less and less sense. But it's, again, it, it's a cute moment because you know exactly why he did it. Everyone knows and they're just denying it. Um, and then uh, Kubo's sister works at the magazine store where he kind of caught her, or sorry, where she caught him looking at the kind of like, you know, 18 plus type magazine. Um, and he, you know, he, she knew exactly what he was doing and she, but, but she just kind of like, okay whatever cool man cool and then um he you know she gives kubo the, the 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 id and whatever um and then kubo returns it and you know kubo has this moment again it's, it's very funny the setup because he's you know she's like oh do you want your id back and he's like heck yeah i do and she goes to give it back and he's like oh man i'm, I'm surprised that she's just going to give it back to me like you know you know normally she would want something in return and then he goes to take it and she just like, you know, she like moves it so like he can't reach it, kind of moves it out of his hand. And he's like, yep, that was expected. I, I, I knew she wants something. <laughs> um, and she, she asks him a very, a very personal question about, about his, you know, his, his tastes in, in, in women. And, um, you know, he, you know, she doesn't really let him clear his name basically right like you know she leaves and she thinks to herself oh why why did i ask him that you know very, very embarrassed but also like she wanted to know because um the preconceived tastes do not match with her figure and um you know that that kind of made her very sad but also we don't know that that's really what sure she likes you know i'm sure she didn't really have a you know cause, uh, she, he didn't really have an opportunity to kind of explain but also she's you know he, he's not really thinking that way where you know kubo's thinking about it from like a, a personal perspective where shirashi's just like no no no, you know you know i wasn't doing weird things i was just doing this and that it's not how that happened you know so like the, the whole reason for approaching the situation is different for each of them so that's you know that's that's funny um uh kubo brought shirashi a present and didn't tell him about a gift exchange that was very harsh <laughs> the whole like villainess type thing is kind of eking out there um, so then, you know, she, you know, she kind of gave him, a uh, 15 minutes to get a gift and Kubo's a little late, but she got him or he got her gloves and oh, I, was, I was stressing over the color or whatever. And she's just like, oh my God, oh my God, this is the perfect gift. <laughs> and then she feels bad because she's like, oh, maybe I should get you a different gift. <laughs> Cause I, I, I got you like a, like a highlight yellow shirt that says main character on it. And, and Shirashi's just like, well, it's a thought that counts. <laughs> That's basically what he says. And Kubo's like, what do you mean by that? <laughs> and then, you know, you know, Black Shirashi's like, no, 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 I love it. You know, I like it. I, I you know, I, I really do. You know, because again, you know, he's even like, well, I wasn't really expecting to get anything, so just me getting anything is great. But he doesn't mean that in a bad way. It's just like, oh, that's that's incredible. Like, I wasn't really expecting that, so I, you know, I, I love it. You know, it's great. Um, so again, you know, it's it kind of goes to show their like relationship there, right? Um, again, 
this, this is a great show. This is another one of those shows where I, you know, the, there's just two characters that really like each other and they're, they're, they're doing stuff together and they're getting put in, you know, comedic situations, but, um, you know, it's all very wholesome. And again, I just, I, I just, I'm just excited for every episode because I want to see what situations they put each other in, um, especially Kubo trying to, you know, you know, Kubo won't let me be invisible again, you know, uh, you know, I'm sure very soon, I hope, I think that Kubo's sister is going to meet Shiraishi. Um, I would also really like a moment where Shiraishi brings Kubo over to, to his place. I think that'd be fun. Um, but yeah, yeah, again, I'm, I'm down. I can't wait for next episode. <laughs> um, next, we have Trigun Stampede, episodes two through four. Dang, we still got a few left. All right. Um, yeah, this is, you know, this is a great show. Um, I love it. It's very, it's very fun. Fun characters, fun world. Interesting story, I think, with the whole Millions Knives thing. Uh, there's a lot, a lot of places this can go. So we have uh, the village turned on Vash probably for the money, and it turned out it was for the money, right? They're like, sorry, Vash, but we have children to think about, which is understandable. Uh, the Nebraskas want to duel Vash the Stampede. Very like just like old school ideology where it's just like duel us, get your gun out, do it. <laughs> um, and then he, you know, I I love this quote by him because it, it really sums up his character. Where he's like, "Is fighting everything head on so important?" Yeah, my nose is really itchy, man. I don't know what's going on, killing me. Um, he says, "Is fighting everything head on so important?" And he's because it's just like, violence begets violence, right? I forget where I heard that quote. Oh, that was, um, so if you guys, I don't know how many people out there are readers. Um, you know, I know reading is a hobby that people kind of, uh, they have a distaste for, especially from school. But, uh, um, there's a book series that I'm reading. Um, the, it's, it, it's the, the Red Rising series, the Red Rising, red like the color, rising like the action. <laughs> Red Rising series, um, very good, very good, um, yeah, I don't know why I brought that up, oh, because the, the, there's a quote that one of the main-ish characters say, which is, violence begets violence begets violence, that sort of thing, where it's just like, you try to rationalize violence being an answer, but if you do that, then someone else will rationalize violence, and then you'll rationalize violence again, and it'll just never stop, you know, it's just like someone has to break the cycle, um, you know, so that, that's kind of, I feel like what he's going at here, where it's just like, I don't want to do that, you know, like, like, I want to solve problems a different way, you know, because I don't want to see more people get hurt, more people die, you know, so I, I really do like that about Vash's character, um, we have Vash saving the pregnant lady again, just just over and over <laughs> but you gotta get that money right uh vashon is blown out of the air which is one of the illest things that can ever happen just like anytime that happens in a show or a movie it's so cool it's just like man you know how hard that is you know how impossible that is in real life um gosh so cool you know but again it just goes to show like he has skills i mean we've seen that from the whole missile thing but like again the whole is fighting everything head on so important 
he only uses them for to defend, right? Like he's he he's never gonna kill anybody, you know. Um, they end up saving the Nebraskas, coming to some like equal terms, common ground type scenario, which which is nice, you know. You know, I don't you know I don't think every villain should end that way, you know. But I think what happens every so often where it's like, hey, we don't have to fight, and you're like, you know what? We don't have to fight, you know. I mean, I think that's that's probably a big thing for Vash's character. You know, kind of his main goal with everything is like, hey, can we just like solve this like rationally and not have to have someone die for there to be an outcome? Um, then there's lost technology, blew up Gofsef. That was tragic. Um, a character that we don't really care about all that much, but then we kind of do. <laughs> it's like, no, <laughs> no, this character, he did nothing wrong. Um, it's from the EG Bomber. And apparently, new name, EG the Mine. Because the Mine is an upgrade from Bomber, apparently. That's that's how the hierarchy of explosive terms work. Didn't know that, but now we, you know, we learn something new every day. Um, he has a great line here where he's not killing to steal, he's stealing to kill. It's like, oof. The end goal is killing, huh? Oof, that is, that is the opposite of what Vash wants, so you know you're going to be stopped. Um, there's the red button on his back that kind of disarms everything, which is interesting. I don't even know that he could hit the red button on his own, <laughs> but okay, cool. That's a, that's a weird design choice. And we have Millions Knives. Millions Knives is here, and he just killed EG the Mind just effortlessly. Again, setting up EG the Mind even more so to be this just ruthless, I'm going to get whatever I want, and I don't really care who I have to cut down to get it crazy character I, I, I love him as a villain um and we learn that millions knives has like magic or something because he has like the million knives right like that's like his thing but he also has like some kind of magic that i don't quite understand um so yeah i'm, and I'm sure we'll see more of that at some point um because yeah, he like touched vash's gun and like brought him to like the spirit realm for like 10 seconds that was strange um Let's see, uh, he tore off one of the Nebraska's arms, the, the dad, the older guy, I guess. Again, just his ruthlessness is such a good setup. Um, he's basically Doc Ock, <laughs> which is what I wrote. Because, like, you know, all of his, like, knife things kind of form into these, like, tentacle arms, which just immediately made me think of Doc Ock. Um, and we see that Vash was really going to shoot this man. I don't know about shoot to kill. But Vash was like, you're the one, you're the one man that I will shoot <laughs> to take down because of all of our history together. And also, you're going to like, you don't care if everyone in this town dies. Crazy, you know, and just like the whole like, like the animation again, like Studio Orange, man, I'm telling you, the, the absolute goats when it comes to 3D anime, I'm telling you, all, all the knives going around in the air, it's like, oh, this is, this is beautiful. Um, then they end up, uh, stealing the plant and are basically destroying the town. So yeah, just this, this town is dead. <laughs> this town needs to find something new. Um, and then because of all that, uh, Vash decides he's heading east to July to find Millions Knives, right? He's got to confront him, maybe get the plants back. Because again, like, we know that, um, you know, Vash is being framed for just going town to town and, and stealing plants. He's like, no, no, that's not me. That's Millions Knives. He's going around stealing plants. So I guess like the plants maybe come from his people or something because he is convinced that the plants belong to me. 
Like they, they're they're my plants. They're they're my rightful like uh, 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 property. That's the word I was looking for. Property. Um, so I guess you know maybe that is kind of the, the big end goal is to defeat Millions Knives and save all the plants. He probably has like a horde, a stash of plants. Um, then uh, they run into this guy with a cross on his back. He's apparently like he's he's an undertaker, right? Um, so that's a thing. They end up falling down this hole, this hole with like the worms. Uh, he's been like worm creatures. Um, Ro Roberto, Roberto is suspicious of the cross. He's like, that's not, that's really heavy. What, what is that? What, what, what you got in your back there? What you, what you doing? Huh? Um, and then we find out that the kid, don't, I don't remember his name. Oh yeah, I do. I wrote it down. Uh, like Zazzy, he is controlling the worm. So that's, that's a very creepy power and connection to have. Um, controlling the worms, uh, the cross we find out is a massive gun, just, just just like a turret, just like a machine, you know, Gatling gun type type scenario. Uh, wild. And at first, it kind of seems like I was very confused by this. I thought that he was on the kid's team, shooting uh, Vash, right? But then we find out that oh no, maybe he's not. Maybe he did kind of shoot the worms, help them take out. Because then we see them hang out together. It's like, oh, he saved us. He saved Mero, Roberto, all that stuff. It's like, oh, we are, we're on a team. Okay, cool. So he was defeating them. Awesome. And then we have the end where it turns out that the Undertaker and Zazzy, Zazzy the Beast, uh, they are working together. It's like, oh, you, you did good. You earned their trust. You know, right? Like, you you love killing friends. It's like, oh, man. So, yeah, I, I'm sure we'll see more of that in the next episode, maybe next couple episodes or so, where Undertaker is kind of a... Uh, you know, double agent type scenario. Um, I don't really know what his goal is. Like, is his goal just to get the money? Are they secretly working for, or not secretly, but are, you know, are they working for Millions Knives? Interesting, interesting, you know? We'll, we'll see how it plays out. Um, you know, again, this, this is really cool. Again, the action is really cool. You know, I think the world and the story are very interesting and being fleshed out properly. Um, you know, and then just really the, the characters, the characters are fun. Like I love Vash, Mero, Roberto, all, all these guys. You know, this this like main crew is really fun, and uh, you know, just e even it being as simple as we're gonna go to July, take down knives, get the plants back. I'm like that. That's all I need, honestly. That, that, that's all I need from this show. So, um, yeah. Next we got High Card. Um, High Card's another show I dropped. Um, you know, started kind of watching episode two and. You know, they did get more backstory on the card stuff, which is which is cool. That is kind of what I was looking for. But for the most part, I'm just like, I didn't really care about it that much. Um, and then even just like the fantasy aspects of it, the cards and stuff. Again, they were cool, but it, it just one of, it was one of those things where, you know, it's almost intangible. Where I, I don't really know why, but it wasn't grabbing me. I had like a neat first episode. But after that, I'm just like, I just don't care. Like, I don't know what it is. The story, the character, something just isn't vibing with me you know again it's it's one of those things that you know i think we all have from time to time where there's this just intangible aspect to a movie or a show or a book or whatever you know a, a song whatever that just doesn't grab us and i feel like that's you know that's true for something like high card so unfortunately drop in high card for all you high card fans out there um yeah next we got kana of the great snow sea episodes two to three um yeah this, this is fun again you know you know this is one that was kind of on the edge for me although i feel like i am going to keep this one because i feel like the world is interesting you know you know and i think that the, the the story that they're driving at is also interesting so 
Um, yes, we have Riria, Princess of Atland. Um, we also, again, find out more about her story, which is what I was kind of hoping for, where she explains, oh, the Snow Sea has enveloped the land. Like, we are also experiencing some crazy, crazy hardship. Um, the only places that we can inhabit are the small areas around the spire trees. So it's like, man, it sucks up here. It sucks down there. <laughs> and this is, this is tough. It's, this is, it's a very tough scenario. Um, Valgia is out there and they're stealing water from other nations and then enslaving them. So, yeah. <laughs> we have a lot going on here, boys. Um, again, just kind of fleshing out the world a little bit. Love it. Um, she's, a, you know, Riri is apparently looking for a sage that can, uh, he has like magical abilities of some sort and can also make endless water. And the people at the canopy are like, we have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> so her whole thing was fruitless there. So now we're like, man, what do we do now? You know, kind of end the road thing, you know, and it's even like, oh, we can't get down from here. <laughs> so man, just, just the world is in shambles. Um, they're all making her clothes, um, which is very sweet. Uh, I found out that they eat bugs. And she's like, ooh, you eat bugs? He's like, oh yeah, we had bugs yesterday. She's like, we had bugs yesterday? <laughs> what do you mean? You 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 fed me bugs? <laughs> um, you know, you know, some nice little, nice little back and forth developing between them. Um, we have Kana, who's saving Riria from a big bug. Big bug there, trying to kill him. You know, which which makes sense, you know, she you know, she kinda of fell into their their like little egg nest. Uh, you know, a nice little point of action there, which I liked. Um, again, just you know, again, part of building the world is making it seem very dangerous, where it's like, hey, we are not top of the food chain here. We have to be very careful up here in the canopy. Um, and you can clearly tell why we're struggling. Um Kana will use some special tools to help Raina get back home. We got like some very special, very rare tools uh, we got the, obviously the rope but then we have the little things the little uh, hook things um, that can be reusable and then we have the, uh, the like basically like the like heat laser gun so that you know we don't have to have spikes we can just laser into the bark and make hooks right so you know one one resource we don't have to keep using um, and we and did have a note there which i don't know if it'll come back around because they already kind of went down the tree already but but I was thinking, like, it has to come back at some point, because why would he mention it? Or is the thing where he was like, hey, and don't, and don't, make sure to keep it on the first setting, because if you don't keep it on the first setting, then you won't be able to use it for a while. I'm just like, that seemed foreshadowing, <laughs> but it was never used, and now they're off the tree, so I'm like, hmm, weird. Um, uh, then we mentioned there's a green thing she named Light, um, I guess something that she's seen a few times and kind of guides her to where she has to go. I'm sure that'll come back at some point. Maybe like a spirit of some kind, or maybe it is like a guiding light, you know? Um, some like spiritual, you know, religious type thing, I don't know. Uh, then we find out that bugs repair the canopy and the trees, that's why we can't overhunt them, right? We already kind of learned that in the first episode, but now it's Riria kind of learning it. And again, them kind of learning more about each other's world, you know? I think that's very important, I think that is a big aspect to the show, is that there are kind of two different worlds that exist. Um, you know, even though the snow sea is much more vast... Um, you know, these are things that I feel like people have to have a broad understanding of both in order for them to get to the point where we're not on the brink of extinction. <laughs> um, then we have Valgia soldiers who have found them, which is very bad news, but we have Atlan people, the cavalry, who are also here now. So now it's like, 
Valgie's here, which sucks, but island people are here to help, so it's a whole little clash here. Uh, there's some action. Uh, you can't reason with Valgia. Kana really wants to. He's still part of that kind of mindset where do we really have to hurt them? Like, you know, people hurting people, people killing people. I don't, I don't really, I'm not about that. And it's like, well, if you don't protect yourself through violence, unfortunately, um, they will shoot an arrow through your heart. <laughs> so, you know, kind of wait, you know, respectfully, you must weigh your options. <laughs> um, and then they ended up escaping. They jumped on the floater. And they jumped into Snow Sea. Um, presumably the Atlan people are going to pick them up. And maybe they're going to run away. They're going to get away. You know, I think that would kind of make sense for how the story's going to go with this particular story beat. Where they get away and then we kind of regroup. And, you know, Riria's here to kind of, uh, you know, we're going to go back to the people. To her people. And Riria's going to be like, hey, I'm back home. Here's what I learned. And now Kane is here too. And Kane can kind of give some perspective on, on the the whole upstairs scenario. Um, and then I'm sure we'll learn kind of the plan, what's, you know, what we're going to do from here on out with, with the series. So, um, yeah, again, it's, it's one that, like I said, was kind of on the edge about like, ah, do I keep this? Do I not keep it? But I think the world is interesting enough and I think the, the characters are building and, um, yeah, I, 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 I'm really interested to see where, where this goes, you know, where, you know, how they play around with this story, with the setup. Um, yeah, good stuff. Um, next we have the fire hunter. Unfortunately, this is the other show, the last of the bunch that I have dropped. Um, I really like the art style. I did like the kind of the idea of Fire Hunters, um, even like, you know, uh, Toko or whatever, kind of going back to, um, you know, returning the dog and whatever. But I was watching the next episode and whatever, and I was just like, I don't really care, honestly. <laughs> like, I thought I did, but I'm just like, her going and the people and the marriage and the cleaning the toilet and whatever i'm just like i don't know how much of this i care about you know is she gonna be a fire hunter or not is this where we're going with it you know she's gonna meet more people going to a, another kingdom just like i don't care you know turns out don't care as much as i thought i did so we're dropping the show uh next we have inspector season two episodes two and three um this is an interesting show because i kind of remember how it's set up where there's not really one overarching story of this, which generally would be a turnoff for me, because it's more so just, it reminds me of Scooby-Doo, <laughs> where it's just like, here's just a bunch of scenarios, you know, like, like we are literally doing cases where, you know, uh, Kotoko is kind of solving these cases for these spirits, and um, again, usually a turn off where it's like, no, I want this store, this overarching. But with this, I'm just like, it's, it's fun. Like, it's, it, it is fun to learn about everyone's backstory and how the spirits play into it and then how she decides to solve everything. Um, yeah, so we have the setup with Masayuki, uh, who was saved by Aokai. Turns out it was uh, Yukiana. Um, he got his friend arrested for attempted murder. Uh, because this friend literally tried to push him off the mountain. <laughs> um, so that was interesting. Um, he hangs out with the Yukiana. You know, turned out to have this sort of relationship. Um, kind, you know, kind, of, kind of a weird thing. It's not really... Um, it's not romantic. Even though Yukiana has, you know, had some advances. But, you know, Masayuki's just like, nah, it's not really, you know, not really... Yeah, nah. <laughs> you know, we, we can just be friends. We can hang out. We can have a good time. Um, 
then, uh, you know, so that's basically the setup. And that's that's really, like, an entire episode. I think it's, like, all of episode two is just, like, them hanging out, <laughs> you know, which is, which, which is nice, but not really a lot to talk about. Um, and then we have the trigger for, you know, what, what the case will be and how Kodoko is going to get involved um, is that Masayuki's ex-wife has been murdered. Now, you know, they separate over a year ago, but there are a lot of weird, like, circumstantial things that are building against him where it's like, well, there was this and there was that. And, you know, she she wrote a note <laughs> about, she. I mean, not really a note saying, Masayuki killed me, but like, you know, basically that, where it's like, the evidence is stacking up against you, dog. And then even like the, the backstory of like, oh, well, wasn't she behind trying to kill you? And now you're gonna, you know, you know, and then even, um, the, the other guy, um, like the, the friend or whatever, like died recently too. And it's like, oh, well, you know, this and that. And you try to, it's weird stuff. There's a lot of deaths happening around you for people that, uh, you know, you, you, you maybe could have wanted to have, have killed. Um, so yeah, a lot, a lot of stuff happening. Um, during all this, we have a cute moment where Yukiana turns to a rabbit it's like oh well, oh well they can't see me <laughs> you know they they can't see that i'm living with the yokai so she panics and turns to a rabbit it's like you have a pet rabbit it's like i sure do <laughs> um and again the evidence is being stacked up against him and then they go to kodoko who was uh you know you know kind of took in yukiana as a client um and we, we have a nice cute moment there where uh where kodoko was very upset that kuro didn't come here with her <laughs> you know because they're whole like kind of a romantic thing again i'm not 100 sure if they are like boyfriend girlfriend i think they are i can't i can't remember though um but yeah she just has like a nice little outburst there and then she tells a bunch of lies about like oh well this clearly happened and that happened and that happened and kind of just like threw them under the bus right um and then she's like oh sorry that was a lie you know and and you know they're they're very upset about that but I guess Kodoko's reasoning was like, you know, I just wanted to throw that scenario out there to you to kind of see how you would react and, you know, kind of just see what you would come up with if I would say all that stuff. That's not really what I think. That's not really what I believe happened, all that stuff. So, um, yeah, we're kind of at a weird space here with the next episode. I think the next episode is really where we're going to get into, like, finishing up the case and trying to help them clear uh, their names and whatever, because clearly Yukiana had the means to get those people killed right so it's like okay you know what do we do how do we create an alibi you know they're even like oh well, what if you know well she does kind of look like your ex-wife you know what if we have security footage or whatever um a lot of stuff there so yeah again you know i feel like somehow there wasn't really a lot to talk about with these two episodes but um you know because it was like a lot of setup with the episode two <laughs> was like okay they're just hanging out having a good time and episode three was like you're the prime suspect for murder <laughs> Um, you know, so I feel like episode four is going to be the case and like them going around uh, investigating some stuff, trying to create an alibi when one wasn't there. Uh, yeah, and we'll see how they do that. So I'm, I'm interested in that. And I'm sure hopefully Kuro will be a part of it as well. We'll see how that plays into everything. Um, so, yeah, good stuff. Still having a good time. And then finally, we have Tokyo Avengers season two, episode two and three. Um Again, I'm, I'm back in on the show. I'm back in on all the drama, all the interconnected relationships and story beats and all this stuff. Um, so we have uh, Hakai, who is better than Takamichi at all the games, right? He's trying to prove himself, all that stuff. You know, he has like a higher rank than Hakai. Um, so it's like, it's like, oh, how do you know? 
how have you become one of the one of the lieutenants or whatever, right? Um, you know, and also, you know, I feel like he's trying to, you know, do the whole like masculine thing where he's trying to show off for Hina, right? Um, is it Hina? What's her name again? <laughs> it is Hina, right? Or like, well, no. Hinata is her name, but I think he calls her Hina. I don't know. Um, and then we have Kokonoi says uh, says that boss said to kill any other gang members. So we're in a very tough spot where it's like, ooh, there's only a few of us, and there's a whole gang here, whole black dragon thing, and they're gonna they're gonna murder us. <laughs> um, turns out Hakai's brother Taiju is the leader of the black dragon. So now there's a whole family dispute. Man, you know, every weird, like, overlapping issue that they could have always happens. <laughs> um, and now Taiju told Hakai to kill Takamichi, right? He's like, you may be part of Toman, but I'm your older brother. Family comes first. Kill this man. Kill Takamichi. He's kind of high up in the Toman gang. They're a rival gang. He's in our turf. You have to do this. And uh, really puts him in a tough spot. Um... He obviously doesn't want to do it. Um, you know, Takamichi even then stands up for Yuzuha, which is the sister. And, uh, you know, because, man, he just slaps her. I'm just like, whoa, that's not cool. She's a woman. She's your sister. Like, there's so many reasons why that was unnecessary. Um, yeah, and so that kind of gets him beat up. And so Taiju's, like, beating the crap out of him. Gonna, he's going he's gonna to kill him. And then Hakai says that he'll quit Toman and join the Black Dragon if you just stop hurting Takamichi. It's a very selfless thing to do. Um, but now he has to join the Black Dragon, which is very unfortunate. Um, something that he really doesn't want to do. Something that I don't think anyone in Toman wants him to do. De definitely Takemichi, because there's the whole path, right? Because we're not just talking about the story, we're talking about the story outside of the story. Which we know what is supposed to happen, which is Hakai joining the Black Dragon. We believe he kills his older brother and becomes the leader of the Black Dragon. And that just causes so many things to spiral. Um, so Takemichi's like, I need to do everything I can to stop him from joining the Black Dragon. Um, this is not going, again, like like everything, it, it always goes in a way where <laughs> Takemichi's like, no, this is exactly how it's not supposed to go down. <laughs> I'm trying to avoid this very specific thing. Um, and then, uh, let's see, uh, we get a little backstory as to why the Black Dragon is the way they are. You know, Taiju kind of you know, got in the ranks, became the leader, and he made the Black Dragon all about violence. That's what he does. He sells violence. That is his whole shtick with it. Which is funny because we have Mikey and the um, Toman. And it's just like, that's not what Mikey's thing is. You know, you know, like when he built Toman, like that's his thing was, oh, we're just violent. We're just... We're just here to hurt everyone and kill people. It's like, no, like, we're, you know, we're supposed to, it's supposed to be like a, like a, a brotherhood. You know, we're supposed to have each other's backs, you know. Um, that's kind of the whole thing, you know. You know, it is kind of more built like a family where Black Dragon is just like a fight club. And um, we have a crazy moment, which is Takemichi telling Chifuyu about the, all the time travel stuff, basically. Which is like nuts. <laughs> And then even nuttier is Chifu being like, yeah, no, it makes sense. Like, it's crazy, but there are some weird moments that I don't really know how to explain. And so time travel makes sense, you know? Again, you know, again, hard thing for me to wrap my head around, but it, it does kind of fill in a lot of the gaps, a lot of the questions that I have about you sometimes. And so now, like, he just, Takemichi just has, like, 
a person that he can confide in now about the time travel aspect of like his mission and his life and how everything is going down and like why he acts the way he acts and all that stuff. Um, but it is really good to have someone like that, like in the gang, because now he can like ask questions that uh, shouldn't be asked because he should just know everything because he is living his life. But he's kind of being thrown into a life that he doesn't know. Um, and then the very end, we have Mitsuya doesn't allow Hakai to leave Toman. Um, right, because Hakai wants to leave. Um, he doesn't really want to leave, but he's that's kind of the deal he made with his brother. Um, you know, Takamichi tries to do stuff to get him to stop. And this is all in their, like, like, uh, Chifu's suggestion. And he's like, oh, right, Chifu's an idiot. <laughs> why, why would I ask him for advice? <laughs> you know, confiding in him, making some plans make sense, but actually taking, just, like, doing what he says is the wrong move. Um... And then it's off to Mitsuya because that is his district. And Mitsuya's like, I'm not going to allow you to leave. Are you kidding me? You know, so I don't really know how that plays out. Um, the kind of straight, like a, like a straightforward answer would be, he's just like, no, this isn't happening. I feel like Hakai is going to fight for it though. Because again, he told Taiji that's what he was going to do. So now it's like, how do we get out of it? Like, are we going to war? You know, um, is Hake, you know is Akai going to explain why he wants to leave? The real reason? I don't know. It's it's interesting, you know. But you know, if Mitsuda really doesn't let him leave and he does join, you know, I think war is going to happen. But maybe that's a good thing at the end of the day because you know we know that Takamichi has this path that he's trying to avoid at all costs. Um, you know, so maybe this is something that he's able to change. Um, We'll see. You know, we'll see. Um, Tokyo Revengers continues to be the show where it's just like, man, what is going to happen? <laughs> it's, you know, time travel is a tough thing to explain and it's a tough thing to get people to wrap their heads around, especially when every time he leaves any timeline, either it's past to, past to present or present to past, everything completely changes. But it's, it's fun. It kind of keeps you on your toes, you know? Um, yeah. So, And yes, that is it. That is it for today. That is the episode. Um, still just about two hours, a little over two hours, um, but still not two hours and 45 minutes, <laughs> you know? Um, so yeah. And also this episode was probably a little longer than what they will be from now on, just because there are many shows here that I covered more than one episode. Generally, obviously, I'm only going to be covering one episode of every show because only one episode airs every week. So there's a little bit of little bit of stuff gained there but uh yeah like i said i i feel like for the most part great episodes all the all the way around for all these shows um still super into everything i think this is going to be the lineup i don't think there's any more shows i'm going to drop or add necessarily um but yeah let me know your thoughts on all the episodes um you know what are you know what are you know we're about four four episodes in on everything you know what are some of your front runners for the season like i said my two that I kind of consistently come back to are Kubo Won't Let Me Be Invisible and Buddy Daddies. Those two I like. Of course, you know, aside from the obvious sequels of like Vinland Saga or, you know, Blue Lock being, you know, the, the second core, right? Like those those don't really count in my mind because those are obvious wins. But uh, yeah, that's the episode. Um, I guess that's it. That's everything. Uh, until next time, watch more anime. <laughs>